Hi. And welcome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to start with like a Judith Lucy impression. Hi, I'm Judith Lucy. <laughs> do you want to do your Judith Lucy impression? <laughs> oh, hi. Good to be here, James. Thanks for having me. What is it about men? Am I right? Yes. I was dressed up as a moth for one of my shows. She was. She was a moth and I don't remember why. And I was in that, was it a, uh, a Beckett play where I'm just she, yes. buried up to the neck. She was in Happy Days. Happy Days. And I Happy heard, okay, days. Happy Days. You know, the Fonz and so forth. And welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Praise him. I do truly I'm think she's a, national, she's a national treasure. She is a national treasure. Oh my, oh my God. God. Let the music play. Get- <laughs> I'm sorry. No, we need to introduce the show. Yes, remember. Um, and today on the show, we're going to be talking about Love Song by Brighton Theatre Company, Noises Off by Windmill Theatre Company, and The Crying Room Exhumed, presented by The Substation and Club Greg International. Yes. My dad's name is Greg. Does he have a club? Let the music play! Hello, James. <laughs> Hi, dear listener. Hey, hey. How's hey. it going? Hello, James. Hi. Um, if, sorry if we're tense and angry. <laughs> we're not angry. We're not angry, we're tense. Yeah, sorry. James and I just had a, like a number, in sequence, a number of very like fiery, opinionated conversations. Like two half hour long conversations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, about a number of things. Wide ranging. Like pick a, like a hot button topic of the day and I'm sure it was covered in the last two hours in my apartment. And shockingly, we were on different sides of most of those arguments. Most of them. That's where the fire was coming yeah. from. I would actually, no, I wouldn't say different sides. I would say like, like similar sides, like Different quarters of the same side. Neither of us were, like, <laughs> championing Nazism. <laughs> Neither of us were championing any of that. No. But we have different ideas on how things should be done. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and that's the beauty of political discourse. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no. Healthy conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was sparked by a piece of art that we saw by a, a, a colleague of ours, a, friend, a person we know. Yes, not theatre, it was some other thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and isn't that exciting that art can spark such hearty debate? Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. And we're still friends, even though there is, a sed- there, there is a certain tenseness in the room that we're not used to. <laughs> <laughs> but also, we're also kind of accustomed to it. We're often, I feel like, especially yeah. over the last couple of years, we've really like diverged down different sides of forks in the road. We have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. When we first met, we were on completely opposite sides of a lot of things, mm-hmm. and then throughout our life together, we've grown quite similar in a lot of views. And now, I think you're right. I think the trees branched yes. a little bit, which is exciting because I still like and respect you a lot. Oh well, I wish I shared that feeling. <laughs> oh, you can share any oh, feeling you want, baby. Fortunately, oh. I hate you. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Jesus. Um, anywho, so that's yeah. just a fun underlying energy in the room, everyone. <laughs> Which will be gone in a moment. Yeah. Um, uh, our first episode back since the midsummery. That's true. Yes, we're no longer advocating for queer art. Yeah. <laughs> Burn it all. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> bish bash bosh. We're done. And that's what most of the conversation was about. LGBT quiet now. Ooh. <laughs> that's good. They should use that. They should. <laughs> Queer and into sex, you bet I am. Um, Do you mean into sex or into I'm sex? I'm saying into sex, but it sounds like intersex. Oh, fun. Thank you. <laughs> that's that's what I think they should take on as their slogan. I wonder if any 
everyone's ever been confused by that? Like, oh, I'm also into sex. Oh, it's so hard to find someone like and that. And people say the queers aren't into sex. Have you heard them? Um, anywho, so how are you, Jake? <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, You're yeah. just fine? Yeah, I'm Fran fine. Yeah. <laughs> Is that... That's the nanny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know her. I know the laugh. Um, yeah, no. Um, I went to the Taylor Swift Eras tour. Oh, I've got so much to say about this. Good, you go first. You, I'm going to start with the basics. I think it's annoying. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You mean all the people that were at the Taylor Swift concert? Oh! <laughs> oh zing! Bazoom! Bazoom! <laughs> Except for my boyfriend who also went. Carry on. You have a boyfriend? I have a boyfriend. I met him outside the Taylor Swift concert. What were you doing there? Well, booing. you know... No, <laughs> selling t-shirts. <laughs> no, you know how like, people went to the Taylor Swift concert just to be outside? Yes. That was me. I was one of them. Outside the stadium, just outside generally. <laughs> Uh, both of those things because they had to be outside um, I went to stand outside and listen to Taylor Swift because I love her yeah what's your favourite song God oh. it's a long song well, what's a song you like <laughs> Shake It Off you seem like a Shake It Off girl oh god yeah I guess Shake It Off because it has nostalgia for me because it was like when I was at high school sure Shake mm. It Off okay. um, do you want to hear my in- impression of Taylor Swift introducing any, any song yes hey guys I fell down on my way here <laughs> And I bruise my knee. And the color of that bruise. Crowd goes wild. There's a bit of tension. Maroon. Boom, boom, boom. And then the crowd kills themselves because they're all so excited. Oh, sure. That's my impression. But Jake, tell me about your experience before I dive into how much I hate Taylor Swift. Well, the remark that I was making when you interrupted very justifiably because the remark was garbage, but I still have to finish it for the sake of closure, is that I found it irritating that errors sounds so much like errors. (laughs) Like E-R-R-O-R-S. It's the only part about the entire thing that makes sense to me. (laughs) This entire... You have a lot of zingers right Yeah, yeah. I have gone on several, like, ten minute long rants at work just about Taylor Swift. God. Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm stirred with... It's the only thing, Flynn and I, my boyfriend of three years, have been together for three years, and it is the only thing that has genuinely brought us to a tense conflict fight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Because he loves her. And, you know, I, I want to... <laughs> before I get fired up and angry, I want to go out and say, you are allowed to like Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to like whatever you want. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Sure. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But you can't stop me from hating her. And you can't stop me from, from talking about it. Sure. So it's the, it's the... He says as if I'm holding him to the floor. <laughs> I'm being silenced! <laughs> These women are silencing me! That's it's what so I funny. sound like. It's so funny to be on a podcast being like, Let me talk! <laughs> Let me talk! Everyone's stopping me from talking on this podcast that you and I run. Um, <laughs> sorry, Jake. Tell me more about your experience before I get angry. Um, what is it even to say? Um, I, my connection with Taylor Swift is, uh, one that I feel like I'm, I don't know, I'm not in the decrescendo phase of it by any means. Um, cause even like, I, cause I went with my two sisters. That was, that sounds lovely. Sure. Um, but it, it just in terms of like talking about my relationship with Taylor Swift as an artist, I'd say I was even like talking to one of my sisters about like me talking almost like otheringly about like Taylor Swift fans and my opinions about them. Mm. And she's like, Jake, you're one of them. Well, I thought you were one of them. Sure. And a lot of people just assume that about me. Okay. It's because the t-shirts. The t-shirts. You know, you wear a lot of t-shirts that are like about artists. So I just assume you have a bunch about Taylor Swift. Sure. Interesting. Mm. Okay, sure. Um, I'm not going to react to that in an emotional way because it will sound, I don't know, bigoted in some sort of contemporary way. Oh, I... can you react and then we can cut it out if we need no, to? No, no, no. If, 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 if you were to say, I would have assumed that you'd have a Taylor Swift t-shirt. And if I go, you kill yourself. <laughs> that doesn't say great things about my opinions about That's Taylor what I would say about it. 
<laughs> There's nothing wrong with owning Taylor Swift and merchandise. No, obviously. And, oh, I, and Jake, I had well, the experience of like on I caught like a train during the Eras tour, and so obviously I ran into Taylor Swift fans on the train. Mm. First of all, the train carriage smelled like cheap perfume, so make of that what you will. <laughs> Secondly, I saw this thing that you've spoken about in the past that I haven't really seen. Mm. I saw dads wearing like Taylor Swift merchandise oh. and like holding hands with their really young daughters, taking them to the thing. And I was like, that's you see, that's magical. That's sure. beautiful. That I will so, never yeah. chagrin like fathers taking their daughters to see like really hyper feminine like or really girly things. I think then that's let so lovely. me do it. I have an opinion <laughs> that sure that's all nice. I like all of that. I forget what concert it was that I'd gone to. Where it was like I, a boy. It wasn't a boy. It was a boy band. It was some sort of boy. Band. Yeah. It, I think it was Why Don't We? Maybe. It was. It was. It was. Yes. yes. And just saying thanks yeah. for taking me to the concert, Dad. Oh my God. So that's really beautiful. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot that memory and that sentence. I love that memory. It's one of my favourite memories you've ever shared with me. Oh my god. That was nice. Genuine emotion. Um, okay, let's put one of those like little like supermarket conveyor belt dividers between that memory and what I'm about to say. Because let's put... Do, 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 do. With the... Oh, that's a pretend praise Dionysus praise him. Oh, it was effect. more like an intercom attention all passengers. Oh, it's like, could Warwick Davis please come to the airline? Is Warwick Hello, Davis... Hello, I'm Warwick Davis... <laughs> He is a real person. Yeah, isn't he? Yeah. he plays a short guy. He is a short guy. <laughs> Good guy. He doesn't just get into the role and go. All right. No, because no. he was playing like the the, the lead anti-Semitic goblin. <laughs> yeah, anti-Semitic uh, in the sense of his and Professor Flitwick, and he also is in like a bunch of Star Wars, and he's in like he's in a bunch of things, and he's just like I've seen a bunch of interviews with him, and he seems like a really lovely guy as well. That's good. Well, I hope he catches his fictional plane. <laughs> oh, in this world of do 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 do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Anyway, Why Warwick Davis. <laughs> what? Just wait, wait. I don't know. He was for some reason that name was just at the forefront of my mind. I don't know. Why. I think keep it to the five front. The five front? Rather than the forefront. Oh, five back. What do you think of that? Okay, sequel to Saltburn. I thought of this in the train. Go ahead. Sequel to Saltburn. Mm. It's called um it's called Pepper Freeze. Okay. Pepper Freeze. Pepper that's, like that's a catchy name. Sure, it sounds like it would be like a species of fairy in like an animated jukebox musical. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. Oh no! There's been a murder on the dance floor. <gasps> <laughs> it's a murder on the dance floor, you know, that would be it. Pepper Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Pepper Freeze. <laughs> All right, carry on with your thing about Warwick Davis or whatever. <laughs> Look at you, comprehending conversation. I don't, I don't care um, No, the thing about young people going to concerts, I very, like, scroogily had this feeling of, like, what are all these kids doing here? In oh, the way, yeah. of, like, there are so many adults with Is functional... This a Taylor Swift or just in general? Uh, Taylor Swift. Okay. It's like, th- there are so many functioning adults who have got, like, a capacity to form real memories in their minds that have, like, adult-sized emotions and they're kind of trying to, you know, trying to live a life they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Why are any of their tickets getting instead sold to four-year-old girls with- and their parents? I, I mean, that's going to be a memory for the rest of this, co- dare I say, a core memory. In what way? They're four. I don't think that matters. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure I was taken to really impressive things when I was like four or five, and I don't think they left enough of an imprint. I think one of the youngest, the earliest things I remember seeing was a Pirates of Penzance at mm. like the, 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 the Melbourne um, Art Centre. Yeah. And that changed my life. because I old were you? I was young enough that I barely remember it. I don't remember how old. I would have been like maybe six. Or eight. Sure. Yeah, I see. Like young enough that I still remember, and I remember like things like seeing a sword on the stage at the start of the show, and I was like, "What's that doing there?" And Dad was like, "They're probably going to use it during the show," and I was like, "Wow!" And, and then I was like, behind you all going, "Shh, shut up! Why is he here? He's not going to remember this." <laughs> yeah, yes. you were really aggressive. Um, 
don't know. So I think, you know, maybe if you're of a certain age, you can go to the Taylor Swift concert. Can I talk about how much I hate Taylor Swift yet? Of course, yeah. You, you see much more. Yeah, you, you want to Fired up. I hate Taylor Swift. I, I, I don't like her at all. I okay. don't like... And you know, some, some of it is personal preference. Mm-hmm. I find her music boring, obviously. Like, go off. I guess Target needs something to be able to play. But I, I, I don't like her music. I find every time she like tries to paint herself as like a bad, bit, powerful bitch, I'm like, you, you are so rich. And, and you are the most successful artist in the world. Mm. Like, you gotta stop painting yourself as the underdog. Like, it must be exhausting always rooting for the anti-hero. It's like, you could not be more rich if you tried. What do you mean you're the anti-hero? Everyone fucking loves you. But anti-hero isn't synonymous with underdog. No, I know. I, and that's two separate thoughts. But also, okay. she does cast herself... Also, she rhymes car with bar in almost every song. That annoys me. Okay. Um, I find... Obviously, I've got all the personal rejections of, like, the private jet. But, I, but if I'm rejecting, like, the private jet, I've got to reject all the fuel companies in the world. And, and she's not equaling, like anything near what they're doing so it's not really against that okay you know she does emit the same carbon emissions as 600 australians every year with her private jet so every year of her living her private jet emissions emits the same amount of carbon like the same carbon fuel carbon emissions from her jet as 600 average australians wow that's a fact that's just a fun fact um i dislike her um fact that she always presents herself as like the aspirational young girl even though she's like well into her 30s like (laughs) Which is old age. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying okay. she found when she was young and a country singer, she found this image of like, I'm a young girl that just wants to like succeed in the world. And she's continued that until now. It's like, you've done that. You have succeeded. Mm. You've got everything you could possibly want. Yeah. Like what, what more can you have to express being so I can't genuinely believe any of her like chagrins about like, I go like all of her, like I just can't believe you know what it is? Rich people that are that rich, mm-hmm. they enter this level of the world where you cannot be considered a regular human being anymore. Okay. You remove yourself from the humanity pool and every problem you have, I cannot fathom or connect to. Mm-hmm. Because there is no problem you have that cannot be solved with money. Okay. That is a fact. And is that distinction especially highlighted when they're an artist, especially if they're making... It's, it's, because, it's especially highlighted because they are so public. And I have all the same issues with all the same rich people, but they're just not at the forefront as much. So yeah, I'll admit my hatred of Taylor Swift is so pinpointed because she's on the world stage. Mm-hmm. Like, it's impossible not to know about her and not to see her. Mm-hmm. And also, the comfort she gives to, like... And I'm so sorry to say this. <laughs> boring white women. The comfort she gives... In this world where, like, you know, artists are being put on platforms and, like, promoted for being other than, for being, you know, people of colour, being queer, being trans, all of these things, which I think is good, Mm. to have, like, one solid symbol that is this, like, pretty conventional white woman. Like, go off, but Conventional in what sense? Conventionally attractive. Oh, okay. Conventionally attractive, like, regular white woman. Like, I just... That, personally, for me, is... It's this... Continue, and I read a really interesting article that I'm not going to be able to quote, mm. but a really interesting article that broke down all of this in much better words. Mm. Um, that she is this sort of like dead, like this this last bastion of the all American white girl that like anyone can sort of relate to. Because when you're at those concerts and everyone says things like "God, everyone at these concerts is so polite and nice," it's because everyone there is a white woman, and you're all able to be yourself around other white women. Mm-hmm. It's that thing. It's wow, this is familiar and the same. Yes, it is. It's it, Taylor Swift. But is there something inherently wrong with being a white woman? No, not at all. Not at all. Because there's a lot of white women. There, oh, of- absolutely. And again, like I said, do it. What? This is mostly just me hating Taylor Swift's music. Sure. <laughs> but I just think there is a quiet 
insidious message behind that when also every time she's engaged in any sort of intersectionality or any sort of like uh like uh bringing other people into her sphere it's been to serve her she's never been on the front lines of any sort of real issues to put herself in any sort of uh danger or harm's way she had ice spice join her in one of her recent uh tours Mm. and that was maybe a month or two after her boyfriend said some really racial and horrible things about ice spice Mm -hmm. it's like these sorts of things are like Oh, her, 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 her current boyfriend. Yeah, her whatever football star, which is yeah. another thing I just, I'm like, oh, you couldn't well, He said racist things about Ice Spice specifically. Um, uh, or like he, adult. He said nasty things about Ice Spice. I can't remember if they're specifically racist. Okay. Now that I said that out loud, I, I again, we may disagree with things we've already said on the podcast. Sure. But he said awful things about Ice Spice. She got her on to one of her shows to be like, look, we're all friends. It's like, you only do things to serve yourself. And go- that's fair enough. You're a businesswoman at the end of the day. You're a very smart businesswoman. You have an incredible industry team behind you. And you're an incredible machine of making music. But I just can't believe for one second that you're a real human being. Could that... And I, I understand that it's not like uh, specifically about that one altercation. Mm. But the two of them collaborating on a tour, could that not be two adult women reaching a point of reconciliation and, and understanding and one woman trying to elevate another one? Could that not, not also be <gasps> well, a reading? Absolutely it could be. But it's also like, if you take it into account with when else has Taylor Swift like collaborated meaningfully with like people of colour or queer people in a way that has sort of furthered their their causal message mm-hmm. you know she never really has okay. she never really does and I just think it's I just see her as self-serving I just get really worked up about it and I understand that a lot of what I'm saying is like comes across as misogynistic it comes across as like you know uh, I don't know I just sure really... but no, also like the, the things you were saying aren't inherently misogynistic unless they're coming from a like, misogynistic place or not at the all. things you're saying are because she's a woman not at all um, sure so that is my frustration with Taylor sure. okay. and also another thing I find the fans so annoying you find the fans that's annoying. a separate issue okay. I find the fans annoying <laughs> really okay. annoying okay I just want and it's the same with anyone who has like a huge fan base mm-hmm. I find the fans annoying okay and I think a lot of it is you know and I'll go ahead and say, I think a lot of it is jealousy that I don't... I'm, I wish I was that obsessed with something. Okay. To, to that degree. It, do you know what it is? We've taken the ancient Greek gods and replaced them with superstars. Mm-hmm. We've taken a god that we would sacrifice a goat to and give the meat and blood from this goat that could sustain us to this god so they could carry us favour. And we've, what we've done now is taken the money in our bank account that is effectively the same thing that could buy us that meat and blood. We've taken that money, we've sacrificed over like a thousand dollars of it to see Taylor Swift so that she can look at us with her eyes and confirm that we exist in her world. And I just find that so... Uh, it's a it's a scary level of power to have. It's a scary uh, fervor to whip up in people, and it is religious fanaticism reborn and rebranded. And I find that scary. And when it's done with someone whose music is back to the car into the bar, I just think, can't we do better? Sure, I agree with some of that for sure. Yeah, I've yeah long been sort of like anxious about the contemporary. I don't know, tendency to deify celebrities that... Yes. But yeah, go, uh, going into that stadium, uh, being there with like 90,000 people watching this woman perform. And yeah, I went in with... some like, <laughs> Of course, I went in with all my regular social anxieties. Yes. On top of that too, I was worried about like what it would be like to be around that many like Taylor Swift like fanatics. Mm. Like I was worried about the intensity of that. And mm. my, my I'm quite prone to finding that style of obnoxiousness quite objectionable. And mm. I was curious about how much that would throw me out of any ability to really enjoy any of the experience. But even that was less intense than I expected it to be in terms of like a one-on-one, like there was, yeah, I'd re- I really didn't encounter anyone in a meaningful way that that hit me with that type of like, ugh, 
God, stop yeah. shouting. Like, why are you... That's not to say it wasn't there, but I just didn't experience it. Totally. Um, which is not what you're talking about. No. Um, but but that experience of, like, being concerned about it... feel Like, I was ready for it to feel like a mega church. I was really ready for it to feel like, oh, I'm really scared of what this woman could get these people to do. I'm, I'm scared of the, uh, the, the things that she draws out of these people. But I, going in with that worry... It was really not met with any of the things that I was scared of seeing. Like yeah. it was, and I think part of it is this sense of community that you're sort of disparagingly describing, which makes sense to be doing so. Yeah. But that sense of like <laughs> jadedly describing it as like a chance for just a bunch of basic white people to <laughs> all be around each other, and that is like, of course, going to be pleasant. I don't think like outside of any like outside of a collective with some sort of like I don't know insidious ex- like intent or something. Mm. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with a bunch of people getting together to celebrate music and the things no, that her music celebrates. Right. I think there's something interesting in her as like a media entity as somebody that it and, and it's a tie it's tied somewhat to that that last bastion of like quintessential American white girl mm. in the way that it's she does seem a little bit stripped of any kind of like notable or memorable political association or any kind of like social movement in the way of like in a way that is maybe intended to keep her like squeaky clean enough oh, to be able to project yeah. not just fantasies onto, but to also not exclude anybody from anyone that doesn't subscribe to her beliefs as well. You know, like the things that she celebrates tend to be like broad sweeping, broadly considered to be positive things like love and yes. relationships and, you know, and a lot of like you know, old school it's, American it's ideals. It's the, what's Bo Burnham's song um, where he sings that song about like every oh, like, girl? Yes, and it's just the, the very vague qualities <clears throat> a yeah. girlfriend could have so anyone can sing along to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's like little things by One Direction. It's all of those. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's that, but like personified in a way where it's like, oh yeah, to love her. It's like her work is very accessible because it's like, as the, like the music industry, especially like pop music, has verified like people can relate to really any song that's about love, broadly speaking, enough, yep, you know? Yep, yep. And if Jack Antonoff gives you the right rhythm to put it to, you're going to have a and good again, song. Terrific businesswoman. Like, Jesus, sure. she knows how to market herself. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think there's, I think she's an irresponsible person in her personal, like, jet fuel consuming behavior. All that stuff is absolutely a thing that's like a oh, problem. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I, I'm also just like re- really impatient with and disappointed by the mainstream very often and not in like a, I'm cool and wear cardigans in the street kind of way, but... What do you think cool is? I'm thinking, like, like Melbourne hipster cool, I guess was the example I was going to. Are you know, wearing like, a lot of cardigans? No, yes, they are. Oh, and I would know that, because I'm know. cool. <laughs> but, you know, wearing a fedora in 2002, you know, that that's cool, right? I wore, I wore a fedora in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Again, it's one of those things that people can tell by looking at you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but yeah, but I don't, I don't think her force on people individually in and out of this community that can exist in the MCG is one that's negative. I think it's a place, I think it's almost a thing where it's like, again, the things that these people are celebrating and resonating with are things that are going to be in them because they're just like very broad things. I think her appeal, I think is, it's just like, it's it's well-made pop music that speaks to things like love and nostalgia and youth. And and the nostalgia, I'm like... I would people who grew up listening to Taylor Swift and have a nostalgic connection to that music, like that's I get it. Like you but know, even her, like, her songs are about nostalgia. Like her songs are about like reflecting yeah. on love and reflecting on your. And past again, and... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know be upset with people liking Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, sure. Um, but another thing that bothers me is she's so rich. Yeah, that. But yeah, that and none of the money she like b- buy stuff and give it to people. Sure, you know, like it's this simple thing of you can do that. Yeah, and of course there are plenty of stories of her like giving her employees and stuff like large raises and bonuses and stuff. Give money to oh, like no, I understand. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Everyone with more money than they need it should to be, be compulsory it to should. give your money if you make above a certain amount yeah. to the other world. There people. should be a limit, absolutely. Oh, and God, it's even yes. like do concrete things like 
open a place for like homeless people to live. Like that, that, that's that's simple. Feed a country. Like yeah. there are all these things that these make people make a consider. public holiday for yourself where everyone feeds people. You know, it's simple things that you could do being a demigod. You yeah. know. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's frankly, I, I think it's unforgivable that she doesn't. And I love to think that if I were that wet and famous, I would. But who knows? Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe this is all just talk because I'm from the, the benefit of not being in that situation. Sure. And I'm able to be like, oh, you should be doing this, but I don't really know what it's like. Who knows? Sure. Oh! Oh! <laughs> I get um, very worked up and I'm very sorry if I've offended anybody. That, oh, being offended... I know. Doesn't matter. Fuck you. Be offended. Go. Yeah. I'm taking the other tag. To be rude to these people. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Full opposite direction. (laughs) One or the other. Um. So. So. But yes, I was only there because my yes, this is fiance purchased us the tickets. Like I'm not like I'm not in a position to be able to purchase a ticket to that thing. Oh no. Um. But yeah. So yeah, that was lovely. It was great to spend that time with my siblings. Um. And I was truly like I was also grateful to get to like. Um, yeah, see a woman with whom I've got like a, as many do, like sort of like a long-standing, complicated kind of like relationship with as just as a consumer. Like I yeah. remember like discovering her first album like with my like high school boyfriend at the time, and like that being like a like a, a moment of my past that I think was nice. That's you lovely. know, and so sure, that's nice. But it's like, um, <laughs> but you and you know, and then it's been it's you know, we've all whether we like it or not, really, because of her just like popularity, all been on a journey with her. Yeah, that's and, true. Yeah, and there yeah, there are songs of hers that I think are great. I think she's like a like a quite a like a very strong lyricist. I'm glad that she does not write poetry. <laughs> she could. She could, but I'm glad she doesn't. I, think I like she's... folklore. I don't mind folklore. See, of all her albums, I don't mind folklore. That's the thing. Everyone has Everyone's thing. got the one. Everyone's got the thing mm. where it's like, I hate Taylor Swift, but sure, I like this album. Yep. <laughs> yes. Like... And you know what? What a testament to her. And the fact that she does write most or all of her music. She's Oh, she's a heavy participant. Yeah, yeah. Like sure. that, that in itself is very impressive for an artist of her caliber. Like, yeah. what? You know? Yeah. Kudos to her. <laughs> Uh, if, should we put like a timestamp in if you want to skip my entire rant, rant about Taylor Swift? Oh, I assume they've just done that on their own. <laughs> <laughs> angry, angry gay guy rants about Taylor Swift. Anywho, um, how was my week? Good. Um, <laughs> that's good. That yes. sounds like a really fun experience. It was. It was just. It was amazing to see that many people loving something together. Yep. It was like, and the moments where I got myself, where, where the, like my emotions took me the hardest were the times where it was like how beautiful it is that this many people seem to be feeling this way mm. as a collective and it, it, it truly feels like a positive thing for and that experience will always be a good experience it's I something think. and it's just yeah it's rare to get to see that many people in real life doing that together like looking out over that sea of people oh, one of the things was like oh wow this many people love this person this much and this is how it feels to be amongst this many people loving something like this on this one um, night. but at the same time <laughs> it was also like looking around the audience looking at every little head and being like Hundreds of dollars you paid to be here. Hundreds of dollars. Yep. Hundreds of dollars. Yep. And people like, spend oh. like someone said they spent as much as a car on sure. all three tickets. Yeah. And yeah. costumes. Mm. It's like yeah. That no. Could have been a car. A friend of a friend of mine spent twenty one thousand dollars on tickets to a number of concerts. What the f- merchandise? What do you mean? Travel to the concerts. Yeah. But again, she could it, buy a country. Taylor could. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. She yeah. could buy a country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's but stop yeah. talking about Taylor Swift. Money, sure, yeah, but if, yeah, money, especially in these times, is inflammatory. Oh, they're unprecedented, um, aren't they? These times, and and it and it should make us upset and angry yes. and feel frightened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some people have all of it, and yeah. the rest of us don't. Yeah. And you and I, as we've said in the past, are lucky people that have enough to survive. Yeah. Just yeah, um, uh, yes. But but also she she did some of the songs that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> she got it. She sat on a cabin. That's. 
<laughs> she did sit on a cabin. There was a, yeah, there was there was a part where she dressed as a spooky witch. I thought it was oh, really yes. funny. I saw your Instagram, <laughs> so you like the spooky witch bit. It was so stupid. But again, it it's was, like, uh, why are you casting yourself as like a spooky villain? It's like well, you're Taylor Swift. Artists can reinvent themselves. Apparently, multiple times. You know, they can and put all of her errors have been the same message. Being what? I love love, but I can be crazy. It's, you know, like that's it. Sure. To me, to okay. me, as someone who has not listened to her music, I'm gonna stop talking about Taylor Swift. Um, yeah, that's. I don't need to say more than that about the experience. Tell me about your last. No, I'd love to. <laughs> They've been bad. They've been bad. They've been bad. Um, yeah. I was uh, sick for a little bit, which is a running trend of mine. Yes, love to do it. Um, I have the immune system of like a Victorian child with a sling. I know. When I bring you up to people, one of the first things they ask is, so how is he? How's yes. his health? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most people assume I won't be at places because I'm sick. And they're often right. Um, so the sickness led to like a depression spiral, which was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I spent all week just like cancelling work individually each day as they came, which is a great feeling. Uh, and being in bed and unable to move with the heat and uh, playing video games that I didn't draw any joy from because I felt like I should be doing other things in my life, but I didn't have the energy or the uh, uh, wherewithal to do them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if no one's going to build a Sim City, oh, where are all their no, Sims no, no, going to live? No, 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 no. Project Zomboid. Pro- okay. Yep. <laughs> um, different game. And so it's been, ba- it's been bad. It's been bad. But I'm here. First day out of the cage, and I'm doing just fine. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Kesha's latest album from 2023. Great gag, re- gag order, gag yeah. reflex, gag order. Yes, which is great. Yeah, uh, there's a line in one of her songs where she just shouts, "Shut up, eat your breakfast," mm-hmm. and I love that a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's been getting me through. I also started watching Harley Quinn. Is that a? They made a show out of that. Oh, bitch. Is it a cartoon? It's a cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's an animated cartoon. Okay. Uh, it's four seasons at the moment. God. Uh, it's uh, like like an a, adult version of uh, DC. I don't care about DC. But I love Harley Quinn. And I love... It's like a storyline of her. She leaves the Joker and sets out to find herself as a supervillain. It's great. Okay. It's really great. It's violent... It's uh, very X-rated. It's fantastic. X-rated, like boobs and stuff. Uh, not so much boobs, but like bones and blood, like like gore and swearing. Okay. Um, Is Lady Gaga about to play her in a movie? Uh, she's okay. She's about to play. Um, actually, she's about to play a a character. I think either it's a character inspired by Harley Quinn. Or it's a character that is exactly like Harley Quinn and very purposefully not called Harley Quinn. Okay. Yeah, she is. In Joker 2, which is apparently a musical. Undecided on how to feel about that after all these years. You haven't decided how to feel? I'll Why don't you just it. feel it? No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. I've shut no. myself down to that. You're going to reflect upon your politics and then make a choice about how to feel afterwards. Exactly. I'm going to wait and see what everyone else says. Oh, and then I'm going to form my opinion based on that. That classic James Courage. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> um, unless no one else thinks fuck you, in which case, I don't think that. Um, so, Harley Quinn, everyone, get out there and watch it. It's great. It's great fun. It's really good. I watched the first two seasons yesterday. Uh-huh. Yep, in one day. Great stuff. Gosh. Yeah. It's got, like, a bunch of, like, really good voice actors as well. It's mm-hmm. got Jennifer Walsh, is it? Sure. Uh... I don't know who Jennifer Walsh is. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's her name. She plays the mum in Arrested Development. Jessica Walter. Jessica Walter. Not Jennifer Walsh. But you see where I got confused. Anywho, it's got her. Uh, it's got um, the... Uh, what's his name? The the son with the hook from Arrested Development. Tony Hale? Tony Hale. It's got Tony Hale. Uh, it's got... <laughs> James! <laughs> you are currently listing the cut. <laughs> 
of a cartoon superhero doof show. <laughs> yeah, and they're all great. How many stars would you give your depressed, unwell Harley Quinn featuring last few days? Bear in mind, you don't have to think very hard. You go first. How do you give your last week, including your Taylor Swift experience? Um, I'll give it a thousand stars. Okay. Just because that's how many cuts it would take to kill her based on the song that she did not perform. Death by a Thousand Cuts. Oh. It's a good song of hers. And that's all I'll say on that That was matter. really throwing as someone who doesn't know that song. That was a really scary thing to start hearing. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm not pitching an assassination, <laughs> I promise. I would give my week... Oh, fuck it. Um, I'll also say that I thought the dancing was really fantastic at the Taylor Swift show. I thought it was good. It elevated songs. I've never liked the song's style before, but then seeing a bunch of people sort of do the merengue to it. <laughs> one star. One star. One star, because that's the one real star in the Harley Quinn show, which is the guy that plays Dean Pelton in Community. Right. Who's in it as well. Right, that wet, bald man. The wet, sexually promiscuous imp. Yes. Yes. Love him. Great. Shall we move on from all of this and talk about some theatre? Okay. Hey James. Oh, hi Jake. Hey, how's it going? Uh, really good now that I'm here with you. Oh my god, that's nice. See that we've alleviated the tension. Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we had a long chat about it and, we've, and we didn't, we're doing this straight away. Um, yeah, we're good now. <laughs> all better. <laughs> Um, I went to, uh, bar, where was it? Brighton. Ooh. <laughs> I always confuse Brighton with Bentley because they have similar letters in them. Have you done all of Brighton? Oh, God. From that woman. That woman. The moment that I got off the train and was walking through Brighton, that's one of the first things that came to my mind. Fair enough. It's was an that iconic woman. TikTok. I, I feel like it was Why? a news report. TikTok. News report. But it was like, it's made the rounds on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. She's famous. Good for her. Um, but yeah, went to the Bayside Gallery in Brighton. Does the what? Can you say that again? The Bayside Gallery. Bayside Gallery. Yes. Have you been there before? Yes. You've been there to see Torch Song. Oh my god, I saw Torch Song. Now I'm saying Love oh, Song. Oh, there you go. What do you think will be next? Uh, thong Song. Thongs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see <laughs> that thong. What are other options? Um, la... Love Shack, if you want to like start going the other way. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, God. I would love to see a stage adaptation of Love Shack. Love Shack, baby! Yes, because there's already like a, like a movie adaptation of the, um, the Monster Mash. Is there? There is. What is that? It's based on like a, like a failed stage musical called Sorry, the Bridge is Out, You'll Have to Spend the Night. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love that. That's fantastic. How did that fail? Dismally. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, but the titular song is really... Well, I guess not the titular song, but the, the, the main song is like, Sorry, the bridge is out. We'll have to spend the night. It's Jay, great. We need to remount that show. <laughs> we need to remount. Praise Dionysus needs to mount that show. I've looked into it. Apparently it's quite good. Like, people have fond memories of their high schools doing the show. Oh my God. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Sorry, the bridge is out. <laughs> yes, and as you can already kind of tell, it's kind of like, tonically, kind of like an amalgamation of Rocky Horror Show. And kind of like a bit Little Shop of Horrors. Of course, yeah. They were both terrible. I mean, that's what makes them great. They kind of are terrible. (laughs) Um, Anyway. When all of a sudden. (laughs) Um, So, Love Song. It's written by John Colvenbach. (laughs) And it was directed by Gaetano Santo and Jeff Saliba. Great. Just so you know those facts. 
Um, full disclosure, Angelo Snell is in it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I recognise yeah. that name. Yeah. From you a bunch of times. Yes. <laughs> a bunch of times. A normal number of times. Mm. I have regular feelings. Mm. Yeah. About, <laughs> yes, because Angelo, he recently, he was the one that directed that um, like gender-swapped female-centric Odd Couple odd production. Couple. Yes. In Essendon. Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And other things in the past, too. But that's his most recent contribution to this podcast. To and Jake's theater. world. Yeah, to Jake's world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so just flagging that now. Um, it's also... It's Brighton Theatre Company's 157th production. Jesus! Yeah. How long has that theatre company been around? Or they just do like a lot of shows every year? Um, I think... Yeah. Either way, fucking Can impressive. Imagine? They've been open for a company for two years. They really just cram them <laughs> Pump in. Pump it out. One show a night. Um, um, yeah. Wow. So, so that was like a fun Well done, Brighton Theatre Company. Yes, no. But yeah, so... The Wait, play- sorry, sorry to interrupt you again. Go ahead. Did you say 157th? Yes. How did you find that out? It's on the front of the program. Do they say that for every show, do you reckon? I mean, they must do, because why would you celebrate the 157th of anything? Oh, yeah, it wasn't like... <laughs> there wasn't a big hullabaloo. Okay. It's like, guys, we did it! <laughs> the big 157. <laughs> we made it, guys! <laughs> right, all right, just carry on. Yeah, good question, I was though. curious, I was curious. <laughs> and, yeah, there wasn't a parade. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to announce, before we start the show, <laughs> we made it, guys. Nobody said we could. 157. I went with my sister, my Perth sister. My sister that came over from Perth. Yeah, I get what that means. <laughs> yes, so yes. <laughs> that was just us. Uh, but yeah, we went. And so the premise of the show, is, so it's like I knew a little bit about it because I listened to two of the actors who were on a, like a radio show devoted to, I forget the name of the radio show, but they were recently on it to promote Love Song. Mm. They went on this radio show and it was like what sounded like two middle-aged women who were like supporting... Um, independent and main stage productions in Victoria. As in the people that host the show? Yeah, okay, yeah, they host the show and had these two actors on from the show right. to talk about Love Song. But for me sort of like skipping around in the show to work out what this radio show was, it's like, oh, because they're doing something similar to what we are. Great. <laughs> but, they happen to be, <laughs> but they happen to be what seems like like 50-something-year-old women who love show tunes. Oh, I will listen to that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a sweet idea. But yeah, listen to this conversation and that's how I sort of like gleaned that this show is like Love Song is uh, kind of a, a bit rom-commy. Um, it's a play that's existed for about, uh, I think, two decades or so. I, th- I feel mm. like it got nominated for Olivier Awards in like 2000 oh, wow. and... Either 2003 or 2007. So I it's think. fair dinkum then. Yeah, I, that's that's how I describe it. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty fair dinkum yeah, Fair dinkum play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, so that's, that's how I gleaned that from it. But yeah, in terms of plot... Okay, so it's a... Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, sit down. You're about to hear the plot of Love Song. I'm sitting down. <laughs> so, yeah, no. So it's about... Um, I'd say it's interesting because it feels like the lead character is takes a backseat to what the plot is, I guess. Depending on how you describe what the plot is. It okay. could be a bunch of things. The way it th- sounds like you had a classic Jake Stewart. No, no, I understood this one. Oh, he's learning. <laughs> um, I guess I'll start. Okay, I won't start with plot. I'll start with moment. So the very first thing we sort of see, Angelo comes out in a trench coat, um, and he's sitting in a little chair. Does he have the trench coat on already? It's irrelevant, Jake. There's a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're sitting on stage. There's a lamp. Like a tall, antique looking lamp that is kind of like an ongoing motif throughout the piece. This lamp is sometimes on. Sometimes this lamp is off. Oh, okay. And that comes to signify something. (laughs) Yes. Wow. (laughs) I get theater. Um, But yes, no, this opening moment of like the lamp (laughs) being activated and there's these like psychedelic lights that swirl for a bit and there's what sounds like a Radiohead song playing, but I'm also a loser. So I'm not sure if it was Radiohead or Radiohead-esque, 
Maybe what, he was what, talking here. What does it sound? Can you give us an example? It's like, I sure am a man, and I've got stuff in my head, and things are going on. You know, radio hit. Yes. <laughs> Like like that. In the room with us. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. head of all radio. But yes, no, so so was this sort of like, it felt like it was like setting the tone for the thing. Like, okay, this is gonna be a bit like mental, a bit cerebral, a bit weird, maybe a little bit like kooky. hippie and funky, a right. bit kooky. And it was like it was a nice kind of like I don't know, sort of like set the tone in a way that kind of made the, the atmosphere in the theatre sort of smell a bit like cigar smoke somehow. It was kind of Ooh. the kind of the like the, the feeling that it gave me. Love it. But yeah, and it was also nice for a play to start with that like weird little like tiny pocket of a moment that did not then bleed into a scene. It was just the what I don't know, kind of like you know the start of Blue Velvet. Oh, uh, wait, what's Blue Velvet? Is that, that the... David Lynch movie? No, I've never seen a David Lynch anything. Okay, yeah, but, but I, I understand his style. I think sure. Well, I think my one of my like top three things from that movie that I think is fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that opening is just like a just a long shot of this like beautiful blue velvet curtain like wafting around, and it kind of just like puts you in a mood very distinctly. And oh. it's also like a bold artistic flourish. I'm like, yeah. oh, why am I enjoying looking at this fabric so much? <laughs> I've seen the scene where he has that long shot in the round round the middle of a movie where like there's that creepy jump scare woman. Behind the trash, I sure is that that movie. I know that's. I don't gonna, know. Sure, um, but yes. Anyway, that's how the, sh- the show starts, and then so it's like it's uh, like a five hander. One of the characters is only, only briefly in it. I'll bring him up immediately because me and my sister really took a shine to him. Oh. Um, Arvind Chandran played Bill the waiter. He's in one scene, plays a waiter. Bill! <laughs> I love and, a character named Bill. And yeah, yeah but his, his participation in the scene was just like this real like additional like little like, I don't know, just flick of sweetness that I just, yeah, Aww. we both really appreciated. We giggled about his participation a lot. He was like very, very like lovely. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, but for, like mostly speaking, there's four characters in the show. Is that me counting correctly? Yes. Um, yeah, and so we get to know this like two, this like couple is kind of the center of it. Which I just think is a dramatically interesting choice for this playwright to have made, which will I think become clear as to why as the description of the show continues. But that's just how it kind of functions. Mm. So it's like there's, there's this couple in the middle um, of this story and they live in this apartment together and they are some version of kind of like heterosexual unsatisfied. It's left a little vague. She, via, you know, you know how plays work. The text often tells you things, the things that people say. Yeah, yeah, because so you listen with your ears. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, see with your eyes. So, so, um, so the, the woman partner in the pairing, played by Janine Evans, she's playing Joan, and talks about how, like, she's like a hardened businesswoman and she's always firing these dumb, like, young people. This that... is very 20 years ago show, yes. <laughs> but she's like, mm, yes, no one's hardworking enough I sure I'm sick of it oh and they have accents they're in some sort of like I want to say New York City yes I think but it's just somewhere where they do talk like this oh Oh, come on Joan ma (laughs) you gotta stop firing these young people give them a chance Joan that's fantastic that's fantastic (laughs) accents make everything better (laughs) yeah 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 that's always the case and we've always said that (laughs) um yes and so Janine is playing opposite Damien Coffey who's playing Harry her partner Damien Coffey Coffee. Yes. Oh. Sounds like the drink. Spelt different. Oh, okay. That's a lovely surname. Coffee. You think so? I think so, yeah. Yeah? That's a, I just think it's... I didn't mean to stop no, talking about it. No, yeah. I just also hate... Now, it's, I'm having like an errors, errors thing where it's like, I hear coffee as a name and then I go straight to someone with like the flu. <laughs> you have an errors, errors thing. In in like a homonym homophone kind of way. Oh, okay. I it, thought you were doing like a DJ, like an error, error. Oh, no, no, I was doing more of like a, like a GP, someone coming in being like, I'm sick. And he's like, okay, how coffee are you lately? Oh, yeah, and yeah, And you're like, yeah. oh, I coughed myself to sleep, doctor. And also I've got this tail now. 
I don't know what sci-fi universe I've fallen into. I hate where this Let's is going. Let's get back to yeah. love song. <laughs> so tell me more about Mr. Coffee. Okay. Um, but yeah, the two of them, they're, they're some type of disgruntled. I wasn't clear on why, but they, there's something going on between them. Because you're Jake. No, <laughs> partly because I'm Jake, but also partly because that towards the end of the play, the undertakings of what occurs seems to, after interval... They seem to have, just by the rules of drama, <laughs> they've reached a point where they've come to a place of like being like very sexually playful and like into each other and like a newfound reborn kind of like when like a couple rediscovers each other and they're like, oh my God, we love fucking, but we love fucking in a different way now. Right. You know, that's, that's how act two kind of begins for them. So just then sort of like reverse engineering, I have to assume that that's what was missing as an ingredient from their beginning Okay. Like from the beginning of the yep, story, yep, yep, yep. like if they've gotten here, they must have started there again because we're watching a play, and that's often about character arcs. I love how much retroactive work you need to do when you see a show. <laughs> Not all the time. They're just like this. Yeah, no, because a otherwise, because otherwise it was, it was it's one of those plays where it's like it's almost like Le Beauty and like it's it's that thing of just like a lot of like fast New Yorky dialogue that is just for like, those in the room who don't know what Le Beauty is. Um, oh, like Neil Le Butte, like contemporary. Oftentimes New York set, but just like very like American back and forthery, yep. like a lot of like a playwright showing off his use of language and also imbuing his characters with like a playful sense of wit. Oh god, okay, yep, yep, yep. yep. That I don't thing. know all the terms you do, and I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> Look at you being so yeah. courageous. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the two of them, and that's the journey they kind of embark upon. At the same time, Angelo Snell, <laughs> wonderful Angelo, is playing Bean. Bean. His name is Bean. You mean there's a coffee and a bean in this show? Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, did, did we just solve something? Coffee bean. Co- <laughs> in case you didn't get it. <laughs> As if I was just playing along. <laughs> of course. Ah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Angelo's playing Bean. Bean lives alone. <laughs> because and he's just one bean. He's just one bean living alone. And towards the beginning, after we have that psychedelic opening with him, kind of like one of the early on seg- segments of like, the first time we see him, he's walking out of a room in his sister's apartment. The unhappy, eventually sexually satisfied woman is, is his, sister. his sister. Got it. Is everyone keeping up? I, I barely am. <laughs> yeah, so he emerges from a room in her apartment and is like, I'm clearly sad. Look at the trench coat I'm wearing indoors. That really conveys something sad, doesn't it? Is it like a detective? <laughs> it's almost like a flasher trench coat. Oh. Wait. Just... I don't like that we have that as a shared vocabulary for what trench coats look like. But yeah, but it's like a beigey tan colour. Yeah, that's an inspector. That's a detective. Well, <laughs> maybe... He's like... off to farm the day. Um, yeah, so Bean heads out wearing his flasher slash detective overcoat. Yes, <laughs> Goes home to his solo Bean apartment. Okay. <laughs> and then goes inside and... <gasps> shock sound. What? What? <laughs> what? inside of his apartment... Is a woman. A dame! A dame. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And it's it's tense because it's a thief. <laughs> this oh. person is a thief. She, she's been caught thieving. Uh, in the midst of theftery. <laughs> yes. Thievery. I think is the language. <laughs> um, so played by Elise Zolas is Molly. Uh, who Molly. Is, who we come to, yeah, very quickly understand is a person that has broken into this apartment. And she has kind of like these, these remarks about like, okay, so I've stolen a bunch of stuff from you. I've put it in this bag. And this bag is full of now these weird sad things that seem to constitute your life physically. You know? Oh, so it's like, okay. oh, why do you just have like this one spoon? And like, why do you just have this one cup? And it's like an interesting way of just like packing in very quickly through their back and forth about like, oh wow, it's almost like like you've there's been a moment recently where I you like opened my refrigerator, you saw what was inside, and you were like, Jake, you, you look so single and depressed. You mean when I opened your fridge and what was in it? Like one soda water. Yes. 
And I think there was like maybe no, like a, no I, I swear there was tomato sauce or something. Oh yeah, there may have been tomato sauce. Yeah, I wasn't about to say. Oh, and I think a lot of like brioche and <laughs> condoms and brioche. These a bachelor make. Yeah, that was the saddest bridge I've ever seen. <laughs> Remember when we went to dinner at your father's house and I bought two bottles of wine and then I took the second bottle home because yes. we didn't open it? <laughs> I love myself. Carry on, carry on. Um, but yes, so <laughs> we witnessed the experience of a, of a, a, yeah, of someone, yeah. That's a great way to unpack a life. I, seemingly, yes. Mm. We've, yes, in, in action on stage and in life. And yes. yes, I agree with you. Um, yes. Is so, that like the... the then becomes the premise of, of like the rest of the show. Uh, not really the premise, more so just like a, an instigating incident, almost. Just oh, like okay. the beginnings of like, yeah, this is how we meet Molly, and this is how we yeah move forward. And so then that then of course, because again, it's a play. Everything's yes. happening for a There's reason. A story and time exists. Yes. So this is how we really sort of like come to grips with like the state that Bean is in in his current moment. And how has yeah. he been? He hasn't been great. Oh no, Bean. <laughs> yeah. But he's so sweet. And I know I, of course, come to this with my Snell bias. Yes. But just, like, the way that Angela plays this character was just so, like, ah, oh, like, gentle and, like, like, almost like this softly, like, a humming light bulb. It was just, like, there's just this sweet... You realise we don't know what that means. I... There's this scene. It's the scene that features Arvind. So it's like it's the scene where Bean is talking to his sister, and they seem to be at some sort of like brightly lit like office cafe, and and they're just like speaking to each other. And Bean is just like a bit taken by this thief that he's met. But of course, he's telling no one she was a thief. But he's just sort of like filled newly with like the I don't know. We're, we're both depressed people, you know. <laughs> what do you mean? You know, Thing where I don't know, there's this like this new thing inside of you where it's like, oh, yeah. oh it's even just like the beginning flickery embers of like, oh, oh I can so, feel this, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, and how beautiful, like, right? And it's like, I, I've certainly talked on this podcast about that thing of like, maybe not to like a lengthy extent, we'll see if there's a show soon that forces me to do so, but it's the thing where it's like one of the most, at least for me, one of the most like reliable ways of like dredging my shipwreck out of the ocean is the experience of some sort of profound beauty or like some mm. type of oh god yeah you know um and so it's clear that this miserable man this very lonely sad man has been like rocked in some type of way by encountering this dynamic devilish woman oh, <laughs> in his bag. that's fantastic is something so mm. that's how, how we sort of like see the beginnings of it and in that scene especially it was just so delightful and again it was like not to bring everything back to like when me and my sibling were giggling most but it was like yeah it was watching Angelo play this like version of this character that was like so quickly like flickeringly like taken by this thing and mm. just like the way in which, and he, and the way that he played off his sister in the scene, and the two of them inhabiting this scene about a person who's been a little bit like, yeah, rocked by flutterings of romance, and to see that occupied by mm. such like a capable performer. Um, and again, snail bias flagged, but I just, I think he's so magical. Oh, so it lovely! Just, it was nice to get to see him play someone so absurd in this in this play. He's a part of the Jake Menagerie. Oh god. Anyway, <laughs> how's this? Did you like watching? I can't believe he's snail in love. I can't believe he's sna- Snell in love. It's like fell in love, but Snell in love. Oh, I guess maybe if that were a saying, then maybe that it's would... not a saying, it's just words that you I, would that's say. That's my feedback. Snell in love. I'm sure words. Not that hard, Maybe Jake. if Angelo does some sort of like one-man show where he talks about some romantic experience, he could call it I Snell in Love. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, now that I've heard it from your mouth, it sounds stupid. Yeah, Carry on. <laughs> Trying to revamp your garbage. <laughs> Someone's got it. <laughs> what if we put a pinwheel on it? 
Nope, it's still a mound of trash. <laughs> <laughs> now it's trash with a pinwheel. <laughs> but God, that's a nice pinwheel. Um, but but there, there are twists and there are turns. I will not spoil this for you in case you get a chance to see it or want to read the play and, you know, gasp on your own. <laughs> I love um, lonely gasping. But I will say, so it's like, it's kind of a thing of like, Bean is described in like director's notes and play description that I read in the program as like a mentally unwell person. Mm. Um, but throwing that aside, it could also be read as just an experience of like a very lonely person. Mm. Um... And uh, there's there's conversations surrounding how the play then kind of unfolds him with this like unlikely person who he experiences solitarily in this apartment, and then the people around him. And a part of what I was going to say about like it feeling odd that he seems like the lead character, and I'm sorry to talk about it as if I'm in year ten. <laughs> the lead. Go on. <laughs> and then there's the others. But yeah, so um, the in, in theater terms we call it upstage, Johnny. <laughs> Um, we spend what feels like I'd say like 70% of the play with this couple like with the sister and her partner like that seems to be that, that oh. is where we spend most of the play which I think is interesting in while it, because it seems kind of like the play is about Bean's experience and the effect Bean's experiences ha- like have on others hmm. but you know interesting choices are great choices do you think it's definitely meant to be centred on Bean or do you think it's meant to be more of a show about like holistically the experiences of a whole bunch of people well that's the thing part of what like my sister and I came out of it talking about an interval it was like it was one of those plays that like walks past you and the interval hits and you're like okay but like what is this play about yep and like it was like yeah we were explicitly having a conversation about like okay what are the themes like what is what is even like what that, that, that thing of like okay why are we coming back from interval like was there a question that was just posed is there like a like is there a particular mystery we're gonna see unfold um is that like what's bringing us back? Like, what are the question marks in our heads that we're about to get full stops for? And uh, yeah, I guess in my hunt for theme that continued until the end, I think um, the theme surrounded kind of like what makes something real and what makes something matter. And um, almost similar in thesis in some ways to alter that like mm. Emily Tam- that M Tambry show yes. that we both recently saw. Yes, um, that it's yeah that it's it's true and real if it happened to even just one person. And and this play in many ways circled that. As well, it also yeah, it touches later on in the play too. Touches a bit on mental health. It touch it just with them being siblings too. It was interesting. I think something that I don't think the play really explicitly said much about, but there was stuff that I was left. And one of the conversations that my sister and I had in the car leaving the play was about duty of care and was uh. about the inconvenience of somebody's mental unwellness to a person looking on and trying to care for that person. Oh God, yeah, and. Yeah, which is, yeah, something that the play rose. And as we've talked about, it's so uninteresting to be like, what did the playwright want us to think? <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of part of it. That's part of the whole experience. What, well, sure. Figuring you, out the play yeah, I oh, yeah, to you can think about that if you want to. Yeah. I think it's like text analysis, sure, do that. But I think when it comes to like, and we've talked at length about it, but watching a play, experiencing a play, coming out of it being like, but did they mean that? It's like, who the fuck cares? Like, what are you thinking about? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. True. One, of the, one of the things that we talked most about was the thing of like, if someone you know is unwell or struggling or suffering, and it's maybe not the inconvenience that I briefly touched on, maybe that's not the thing, but like what we talked a lot about was like, when do you start worrying about a person? Yeah, like, right. Like, is it when you see that their fridge only has <laughs> soda water in it? Clearly not. That you're like, okay, it's intervention time. Mm. Or is it like, look, if they tell us that they're fine and all they have is soda water in the fridge... Is them telling us that they're fine enough for me to not feel like I have to step in? Yeah. If you know? if if they, if they do a podcast and they start bringing up 
the fact that they only have soda water in the fridge in like the third person as a veiled way to get you to sort of inquire about that. Do you need to view that as a call for help or do you see it as like uh, self-expression and freedom to sort of express what you want about yourself and they're actually living a fulfilling life? <laughs> yes. Like, what do you do in that situation? Absolutely. Who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> but I guess time I think will you tell. Just light up a cigarette and watch it burn. <laughs> yeah, and you'll see quite the show. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm, interesting. And the question, like, especially when it comes to something like love, like something that is so inexplicable, like in the sense of like, if we're just going to talk in like the emotional experience of what love can be, like, yeah, it pushes you like, not to keep making it about me, but like, you've seen me go through peculiar experiences, strange physical experiences. Like, yeah, I've seen you collapse onto the floor, unable to move because of love. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I've seen you curl up into a ball and cry because of love. Thank you, James. There is a <laughs> microphone. <laughs> what? These are human experiences that you should be proud of. Sure. You big and baby. It's like, and, and, we, and we all have different, you know, compassionate and, and like empathic thresholds as to when we step in and think that what someone is going through is like too much or, yeah. uh, or too little or mm. like this does not seem like the right place for you to be at and even like to make it about love specifically. Mm. You know, yeah. like what, what are the limits of like unconcerning behaviour. And when do you when do you get into the intervention? Uh yeah. But yeah, does that stir up anything for you? Uh it definitely it definitely stirs things up. I think it reminds me a lot of um what was that show? This is Living mm. at the Mild House. Like in terms of like that I mean that's a much more literal interpretation of duty of care. Oh yeah. Duty of care, like a sick, sick, sick gay boyfriend and sick old women. unbearable gay boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With other unbearable gay boyfriend. <laughs> Two unbearable gay boyfriends <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um but um, that sort of duty of care, and also I think for me that brings up like the internal thing of you know we are depressed people, as you've already outed us to this podcast. Um, <laughs> and as a depressed person, I sometimes get concerned. Like, is there like an element of my mental health that is inflicting the people around me? Like, does Flynn worry about me sometimes, and does that impact his life? And mm. I know my parents worry about me. That's mm. impacting their life. And it's like then you fall into that spiral of. Why the fuck am I impacting these people's lives? That's so selfish of me. But yeah. it's like, Mama, that's just you. Mm. So it, yeah, it's this um, del- delicate balancing act from both ends where both parties are thinking, when do I stop this? Mm. Yeah, and I wonder if in my life I'll ever reach a point where I need to be stopped or stop someone. And have you ever had to have it? Not that you need to say anything about it, mm. but do you think you've ever reached a point in your life where people have had to intervene? Or do you think... You have intervened in people's lives. Have you hit that yeah, point? Yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah, yeah. True. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, yeah, it's always hard, and it's always yeah, um, yeah. No. Yeah. If we're not going to talk about that topic Jumbo. specifically, because there's a lot to say about that. Mm. Um, but yeah, let's keep it to love song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but absolutely. Yeah. Yes, that's the thing that I've experienced on both sides of that thing. Yeah. True. Um. Yeah. And it's a real test of so much. It's so it's so hefty a test of. Oh my god, outside of even like all the warm things, it's a test of like integrity and of beliefs and of values and of faith in people. Mm. And I don't know, it's almost, I don't know, part of what it feels like is like testing out a safety net, you know? And, oh god, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Depending on the state. Life you built like, around you, what does it react to? Kinda, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. And it's, it's, you're one of those very like human living in a society, community type of things, isn't it? Well, we do live in a society. I have heard that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is that and I think too part of what this play also spoke to me about was the significance of fantasy what, do you, also, what do you mean by that um well what what it can be for you like if mm. like fantasy can be a thing that you only really engage with while daydreaming or it can be a place where you reside a lot of the time and 
you know, irrespective of the things that send you there. Mm. Um, and, and whether or not that's a good or a bad thing. And it, very tediously, it can lead to a conversation about alternate realities and all of that technological garbage that I have no interest in. Um, I love that. I know you love I those love things. I love yes. those conversations. <laughs> um, but, uh, it just yeah. makes you feel so small. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's that. Love song. Yeah. Hello, James. Hi, Jack. I'm still here. Oh, good to see you. Uh, <laughs> I'll bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Yeah, that was sexy. Did you see a show? I went to see Noises Off. Is it, now, it's <laughs> funny, isn't it usually like sound off? That's what Is you that say? what they're doing? No, that's if you're marching with a bunch of soldiers around. Sound the- off! Isn't that like sound off? One, two, sound off. One, two, I lost my shoe. Three, four, it's on the floor. Five, six, what a bitch. No? Yes. That's sound off. Okay, so what's noises off? Noises off, I believe that's a thing that you would say on, like, when you're doing theatre and it's like before you do, like, a run of the show, you're like, noises off, everyone, like, be quiet and, like, silence your phones and we're doing a rehearsal. I think okay. this play was written in well, the sounds a- like. the play was written in the eighties. Maybe, oh. maybe it's a term that I just haven't been around because time passed, but or I just you were around in the eighties. I was not around in the eighties. <laughs> You're thinking of Harvey Firestein. I am thinking of Harvey Firestein. <laughs> You're right. I am thinking of Harvey Firestein. I went to see Noises Off. Noises Off is one of those plays. I don't know if you've had this experience, but it's one of those plays that people often bring up as being their favorite play. Oh, okay, no. I no. can't say I've had that Okay, because you've just never heard of this play before? I don't think many of my friends have favourite plays. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hang around people that are not theatrical. Yes, no, I know. Um, <laughs> you're, they're more D&Ders, aren't they? Which is a type of theatre. It's a type of theatre, Jay. Yeah, I'm noises off, I'm a gnome. <laughs> noises off, I'm going to step on your gnome and kill it. So I went to noises off. I went to Bungel Place. Your silence says... I'm just trying to think where Bungle is. Uh, I don't think Bungle is a place. Well, it says it in the place title. <laughs> Bungle Place. <laughs> Good work on shut, constructing shut that up. sentence. <laughs> Bungle Place is in Nary Warren. Fondly known as Nazawaza by nobody. Yeah, good, okay, good, good. <laughs> Nara Warring, I know. Yeah, Nary Warren. Nary I Warren. What did you say? Nara Warring. Okay. You know, this is uninteresting. <laughs> Go on. Went to Nary Warren, went there with Elizabeth Brennan. I know Elizabeth Brennan. Yes, as, yeah, long-time sweet, sweet listener. You probably are familiar too. She's been on a number of times. She sounds a little bit like Judith Lucy. Elizabeth does? Yeah, a tiny bit. Went to the podcast. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, she has fun with her like similar intonations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Um, yes, but yeah, so we like went on a road trip. We like Ubered in both directions because it was a very hot day and it's very far away. Dare I ask? Dare you ask what? How much was that Uber? Um, oh, I don't know, but Elizabeth's going to get it taxed, so we're fine. <laughs> oh! <laughs> but good, good, good question. No, like an Uber to Nary Warren. Mama, that, that's... It's so far away. Yeah, that's far. Yeah, no, it's nuts. But yeah, Bungle Place, I'm going to upload photos of this venue onto our Praise Dionysus Parade him Instagram. Damn it, I missed that one. <laughs> you missed that one? <laughs> yeah. Um, Because it's so stunning. Oh, really? It's like, I, I, my word, it's like, I don't know, I guess my understanding of what Nary Warren is is limited to this one experience of Nary Warren. So in my mind, it is just a big car park. Yes. <laughs> and then like a nearby Bunnings, maybe? There's a lot of infrastructure. There's, is it? Do you know that? I think every, just, it's mostly car infrastructure, isn't it? For most of these out of suburban places. I famously know very little about Nazawaza, so I don't know. No one calls it Nazawaza, you sound stupid. <laughs> uh, but Bunjil Place 
is this, again, I'm going to upload photos. It's unbelievable. It's this, like, big, apparently it's designed to look like an eagle. Like a flying oh! eagle? Jesus. It's this, like, from the future complex that's, like, deceptively, like, wood-toned, so it looks <laughs> older and quainter than it is. It is this beautiful monster of a venue. Can you show me photos of it right now? I need to see. I will describe it to you, and you can see the photos oh, along with bitch. everybody else. You, bitch. <laughs> you get no privileges. <laughs> uh, I never feel like I do anyway. <laughs> People always say I do, but I don't feel like it. Not in this day and age. If I'm privileged, why are my shoes so bad? Yeah, my father had to work for everything he had. So it's this beautiful giant eagle. And so... Do your best noise an eagle would make. Best eagle impression. <laughs> Don't know why I did that sort of immediately. A lot of physicality. <laughs> Jump. <laughs> no, that made me feel like I'm the victim of like a crafty hypnotist. <laughs> I would love that. Go what on. a true fear. Aren't you Wait, worried really? that... Well, not one that I really have, but it's one of those ones. It's similar. No, I'm not going to describe the one that I was about to describe because you would do it and I'm scared. What of is it? it? No, it's just the, tell me. I won't do it. It's the one, and I've been encountering a lot lately. It's the one where someone comes up to you and they're oh, like, wake up. I know. You've, wake you've up. told me this. You've told me this. Yes, no. Uh, yeah, I just. Well, you just sort of work it into the casual conversation throughout like a yes. regular conversation. Wake up. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't. Yes. What? That type of nonsense. Yeah, don't no, it's stupid. Up. Yeah, no, no. But now there's a potential new one that I guess is a similar species of phobia where it's like you have to worry about someone dressed in maybe like a vest or something coming up to you with like a dangly stopwatch and being like and awake <laughs> and then you just forget everything well you either forget everything or like you become convinced that you are operating under some sort of Manchurian candidate style hypnosis oh. thing and it's like what did I do was I a sleeper agent up until now or all the memories I currently have false am I the Americans on the Americans I were they under a spell what no was... they were like sleeper agents oh okay but didn't they know that they were secret they, they communists? Knew. Yeah, so I guess they weren't sleep rages. You just, just wanted just to bring up the Americans? Yeah, it's just a trendy show that I know that I haven't watched. So bunch your place. Okay, okay, wake up. Come on. Shaped like an eagle. Outside of it, before you even get inside, there's this big open chunky space that is encircled by like shipping containers. You go inside these shipping, like past them. They're sort of like in a tunnel sort of shape. Yeah. You're in this outdoor performance area oh. where some guy is just playing guitar on stage and there's like a sweet blonde woman serving wines out of a shipping container and you sit there under an umbrella near to funky fountains and you just have a beautiful summer day in Nazawaza. No, I'm, I'm getting on board with Nazawaza. That sounds great. It's crazy. Wow. Oh my god. And then you go inside. <laughs> this the building eagle. has indoors. <laughs> and it's just like these long, beautiful foyers. You feel like you're at the most expensive drama school in the country. It's just, oh, they, oh my god. And yeah. I and need to see photos of this. You will see them Fuck with everybody. You. <laughs> but yeah, no. And then, so yeah, we get there, we get our tickets, all that, you know, that hullabaloo. Then we go inside to this beautiful theater, which isn't even the biggest theater they have in this performance venue. Oh my, why do they, why do they have such a large performance? Is Narrowaring known for its theatre? Um, like, they have a lot of theatre out there? I don't super know. They have a lot of bungel place out there. I don't I don't yeah. know. But yeah, went inside, just see noises off. So, <laughs> here we are. God, that took a long time to get here. Didn't it? Um, but yeah, no. So, we go in, and so the, the, the way the play works is it's in three acts. Ooh. Okay? We only get one like, interval, but it's in three distinct acts. Okay. Okay? Oh. So the... F- <laughs> it's weird not to have the two intervals, I will say. Okay, well, good to flag. Good to flag. Glad. Thanks for chiming in. Hey. <laughs> What'd you call me? <laughs> what? Flag. Sorry, carry on. Ah, yeah. Um, and so the first chunk of... So we go in and the set itself is like this big kind of like... Almost like classic... 
I'm, I'm, I want to compare it to when the, like the MTC did August Osage County years ago, but that's helpful for literally nobody. Yep. <laughs> but it's almost like, um, kind of like you've just taken like a central portion of kind of like a southern mansion. So what you kind of see is there's a couch at the center. There's a little risen hallway behind it. There's a doorway. There's a big sort of bay window. There's a staircase that winds up to an upstairs, and we see the balcony of that upstairs. Holy and there shit! Are rooms that extend away from us in the upstairs. Oh my god! And there's like an exit in the upper right where you can head up to the imaginary attic. What? So you've got all of that. <laughs> And yeah, that's what we're looking at. That's incredible. Yeah. And then the first act begins. And what we see is the beginnings of this farce. And so it's like, there's a... Oh, it's a farce? It's a farce. Oh. Yeah. Strap in, stupid. Yeah. Oh, I love a farce. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's like a house that's supposed to be empty because the owners are away. But there's a maid there and she's taking care of the house while they're gone. Housekeeper, maid, are they synonyms? Is one of them classist? I don't know. Yeah. You're going to use maid though, I guess. Okay. (laughs) Housekeeper sounds a little too... To what? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why housekeeper stirs something else up in me. Oh. Um, but yeah, she's taking care of the house, but then uh, a couple arrives to the house to kind of have like a like a sexy rendezvous there, and there are other people that also return home, and so it's like a, a, a pair of couples trying to have like some funky sexcapades. You've risen your hand, James? Is this a British play? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Because it sounds very much like one of those... Oh, how's your uncle? Sort of, like, farcical shows. Okay, maybe that tone without the accent, possibly. <laughs> no, it's sort of like, um, oh, what's she like? Like, that sort of stuff. Okay, I'd say it's more, um, uh, uh, yeah, maybe that family, I'd say. That yeah. family of tone. Like, that family slapstick of farce. World. Yes. Okay. Yep, it seems like you're describing the correct thing. But yes, that's how it like functions and sounds. It's very, like, recognisably mm. farcically. Yeah. That almost, like, American-British where they meet in the world of comedy. Yeah, like someone will grab a pair of cakes from somebody and say, Ooh, oh, I like her cakes! Like that sort Possibly of Possibly that, yeah. Maybe like if you set like faulty towers in the south. Seems to sort of be how it... Th- give your mind a chance to construct that. I love it already. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yes, that's what we're watching. But what we're also, what we come to realise very quickly is that we're actually watching a rehearsal of this play. Oh, meta. 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 So we have like the director speaking over the loudspeaker to the actors. We have the actors responding to this input. And it's like we're seeing this play take shape in front of us. Oh my God, Jake, that sounds like my heaven. Yeah. It sounds like a thing you'd be super into. And it's one of the reasons that so many people say this is one of their favorite plays. Oh God, okay. I get it. Because it's kind of about theatre. So it's sort of like almost play play that goes wrong, it sounds a bit like. That's why I was going to say, yes. It's it's very, and as we go on, I think you'll see more and more similarities. Yep, yep. So yeah, we can't Even just in the set. Sorry. Go on. Sure, yeah. Well, yeah, so we get to see like what feels like the first act of this imaginary play that's happening in the world of Noises Off, while also getting to know the characters and their dynamics and the way that some of them are sleeping with each other and some of them have this brewing jealousy and stuff. As in the actors. The actors yeah. themselves, yes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so then we go out for interval, and then we, before we go out to interval, this beautiful thing happens where this music starts playing and the entire set gets turned 180 degrees. Oh! Oh my god. So magical. So much of this play is just like a love letter to theatre and theatricality in itself as a form and as an art. And so we see this entire set rotate completely around so we are now seeing the back of the set. Oh my god! Yeah, so then then we're like clippity-clappity-clap and then we go out for interval and then we come back after interval. 
a classic audience move. That's <laughs> how it generally works. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. Oh, we were sitting next to some people that we started speaking to because Elizabeth was drinking tea and is just like, is a naturally social person and because she's like beautiful and smart, people just yeah, want to talk to her. her. Yeah, my God. Imagine if it was just me, I would have gotten chased out with like fucking pitchforks. But Yeah, <laughs> they don't understand people as big as you out there. That's the thing. If you're an ogre, you need a Fiona. Pre-transformation. Oh! What? No, it's just a nice, nice comparison. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yes, no, and one of the women that we started speaking to recommended that we go to Cranbourne sometime and check out the botanical garden they have out there. So oh. if anyone wants to write in and tell me what the garden's like, I need one more push to get me out there, I think. Do you love gardens? I, I like being in a garden. <laughs> if I'm, you know, in the mood to be left alone with my thoughts or if I'm having like a, like a hot picnic Would you be willing something? to travel all the way out to Cranbourne just to go and see a garden? If the garden's right, I'll travel all night. You could put That's that. why you're <laughs> voting for Jake Stewart as president of gardens everywhere. Oh, Jake, 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 Jake. God, I might be stupid. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yes, so anyway, that's all kind of irrelevant. We, so the <laughs> stage has turned, the set has turned 100 degrees. So now we're looking at the back of it. So we, wow. we can, of course, see like the exposed balcony behind it. Like we can see all the mechanism, mechanisms where but what. You know what else this is making me think of? What are you thinking of? Can you guess what I'm thinking of? Mm. This, the way you've described this set, I'll give you a hint. It's from a TV show. A TV show with exposed balconies... I'm not okay, I'm just going to tell you. It makes me think of that set from, um, uh, what's it called? Or, uh, the, the Heat in um, American Dad. <laughs> Whether the set lifts <laughs> up and blood down. Blood cry up Dad. after heaven. <laughs> Damn, this heat. <laughs> One of the best episodes of television. Patrick oh, Stewart's in it as himself. He sure is. <laughs> Acting. Carry on. Oh, God. They kill the baby. <laughs> they kill the baby. Ah! They all rip out their hair. It's really dramatic. Anyway, but yes, no, so we, we see, yeah, I think you understand that we see all just the, the backdressing. So. You've described the set, yes. Thank you, James. <laughs> so um, so then what we do is this show in the world of the play has been going on for a while. Like they've begun the tour, the play is underway in terms of like the, the, it functioning as a production in the world of Noises Off. Yep. Yeah, so everyone knows their cues, knows the lines, knows how the play works. And what we're seeing is because we've also come to like, we understand the fundamentals of where these people's relationships were at at the beginning when they were still in rehearsal we're now at the point we're into the tour these relationships oh, have developed oh so the interval it's jumped yeah we've jumped okay, into right 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 into the that, tour yep. of the show okay so yeah so we're like a bunch of performances deep they're touring noises off, the, 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 the play inside of noises off around the place you know okay. so we're on tour with this show Okay, so do we see, just a quick question. Go ahead. The first act, do we see like the entirety of the fake show and then in the second act... We, we see what the... feels like the entirety of act one. So, okay. So we got, don't really get any closure. It's really not about the story of the play itself. Okay. You know? Like really none of what we are satisfied by in this show is, is to the do story with of the play. The, yeah, it's to do with the, the, that narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what this show's about is the people making the show. Okay, yes, good. Yeah, and so then we get this impressive thing where we, got, we get to experience the act one that we just saw from backstage. So you can like, via the window in the set, you can see the action that we just saw happening. So the actors themselves are having to play out the exact performance they just did, but on the other side of the set oh. where they're performing to no one. My God. And we see everyone when they come off stage. And because it's a farce, it's a lot of entrances and exits and comings and goings. So we see people having to go on stage. We hear their performance out there, but then we see them come back off stage and like engage with each other between their time on stage. That sounds magical. Yeah. And again, this is why people love this play. Oh my, that's amazing. Yeah. I want to see it. Is it still running? <laughs> it's not still running. Fuck! No. Um, but yes, 
But that happens, and then, yeah, and then there's another moment later on where music happens again, the set spins back around, and then we're experiencing when the play is really kind of like devolved and is like morphed into something almost unrecognizable, and it's very much just like a real hefty mess mm. further on in the show's tour. Great. Yeah, is how it kind of goes. That sounds incredible. Mm. How long was the runtime overall, would you say? Um, oh, I'd say it would have been, ooh, maybe, oh, I, no, I'd be guessing. I'm bad at time. Yeah. I'd say like two and a half-ish hours. Like, it didn't feel long. Okay, great, great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to like yell some names quickly. Just like Sean Van Geisel was like the set designer and production manager. Obviously, clearly did, did a big job. Really big, really impressive job. As did everybody. Like it was such, I don't know, just the energy necessary and intelligence required of this cast was just phenomenal for that to even exist as an entity theatrically. But to experience mm. it was, was uh, uh, yeah, a really, really wonderful experience to get to go through. Ben mm. Downthwaite directed the show. Um, and then just the cast overall was so impressive. I'd say like <laughs> one of my favorites <laughs> was Charlotte Cinnamon who played, um, sorry, we had coffee. Now we have cinnamon. We, oh my God. Mm. I'm paying attention. You are paying attention. God, when these through lines just crop up like this. Yeah. Wowzies. Okay. But yes, Charlotte Cinnamon was playing kind of like a, what is the term for it? Kind they of like, can't see the hand gestures. Okay. <laughs> I'm floundering around thinking of the noun, but it's, it's not ingenue, but it's something, it's one of those like old Hollywood type of words for like... Starlet? Uh, st yes, starlet. No. Yes. <laughs> a bit of a starlet Johansson, if you will. Oh, oh that's clever. Yes, of just like a young, beautiful actor who's kind of like there to kind of like be eye candy and be a love interest. But the way that it was performed in this way, it was like, this is, her performance was the reason that I was like, this play feels like it was written in the 80s. And oh. then Elizabeth did some Googling and realized it was the case. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Uh, yes. It was <laughs> Charlotte's performance and her characterization that pulled me into that decade. Wow. Fabulous. Which was, yeah, which was groovy. Uh, and then there's Dara Wills, who was playing the director of the entire thing. Mm -hmm. And he and the way that he operated inside of like, um, on the relationship level in the, some of these love triangles that occurred. Um, and even just him being like the booming voice of like the godly director during like act one when mm. it was in, like still in the rehearsal was just like a real comic force that like kept things moving and also required a lot of him in terms of like vocal performance because at the beginning he is just a booming voiceover. Yeah. And, and it was of course also then for him giving so much of that meant that the actors had so much to play with when they're sort of like speaking up to this unseen director around mm. them. The um, voice of God. Yes, yes. How wonderful. Um, Super wonderful. And then on top of this, there's also this additional thing. And Honk Honk Trigger Warning Goose. Oh, he's here early. Oh, yes, he's rarely punctual. But when yeah. he is, you know something's up. Um, yeah, but the, the production itself was hit by an unexpected tragedy like three weeks or so, like a month-ish out from opening night. Oh, the actual... Okay, so the production the, we're actually talking yeah, about. Yeah, the, right. the, the real world, like Windmill Theatre Company production. Um, and what it meant was that they they had to do a bunch of like cast reshuffling and mm. it meant that uh, a few people had, had to come on board or step up or switch around in order to 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 solve solve the the, the theatrical problem that was brought up by this yep. really devastating unexpected thing that happened and it meant that there was like three weeks where a lot of people had to cram a bunch of new stuff into their heads oh god yeah and outside of that devastation and that remarkable resilience this show was so impressive but on top of that as well and it was really evidenced too by after the show was over and the bows happened and all the clapping and the bowing was done there was like a really beautiful thing said about about the thing that occurred mm. um and about the the person that is now missed and 
um, and the, the way that this community came together and these artists worked together to make this thing possible and oh my God. Um, and it, it to be in memory of this individual. Um, and it's and it's also relatedly, um, and if anyone's interested in doing so, um, the show itself is supporting Lifeline. Oh, yeah. So there'll be like links in the show notes and stuff if you want to contribute to that and donate to that charity because it's clearly, um, yeah, real close to these people's hearts. And, and yeah, and that too just added this... Uh, yeah, the level of like beauty and yeah to this production itself, yeah. and I felt very privileged to get to experience this. What seems like really like strong, beautiful theatrical artistic community um, working together like this, and the values that they seem to have as a company and as a collective of people and individuals and as artists. Um, so oh yeah, God, it, it was choked up a little bit. That's sure, really yeah, wonderful. Yeah, really um, so that's that. That's noises off. Um, and yeah, again, that link will be in the show notes if you feel like contributing to Lifeline. It's time for us to turn our noises off. <laughs> and talk about another show very loudly. Oh yeah, after, <laughs> after, yeah, you get it. <laughs> Hello, James. Yep, still here. Yeah, fantastic. I went to the substation. Oh, in Williamstown? Near Williamstown. First off... Footscray. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I'll you're probably it. thinking I'll of some it. sort of like sandwich restaurant. And no, I'm thinking mid- of the substation big gallery thing, right? Yes. I see it on the train to Williamstown. When you're going past, say it with me. Seddon. Newport Station. <laughs> it is in Newport. It is very close to Newport Station. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yes. 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 Um, yeah. Went to the substation with tall Canadian man. Mm-hmm. Um, I know him. Yeah. I don't know him. I've actually <laughs> met him once. Um, oh, God. The substation is so nice. I love being at the substation. It's yeah. just like a beautiful venue. Mm. And the sweet little like gallery that they have there. Um, yeah, anyway, go to the substation if you live near Newport. <laughs> or if you don't, you can still travel there. Yes, go to Cranbourne, Cranbourne for gardens. And let us know about the garden. <laughs> and Newport for art. Don't tell us about the art. We know the art. <laughs> yes, because I went with Talk Canadian Man to see The Crying Room, colon, exhumed. Ooh. Now yes. is that colon punctuation or colon the word? Ah, uh, it's not about someone's colon being exhumed. No, no, no. It's colon the punctuation mark. How? But again, another really good question from James. And the crying room. Did you feel quite at home there? Why would I, James? No reason. No, go on. <laughs> I just think you probably cry a lot. <laughs> Thank you, James. Uh, yes, so the piece itself is by Marcus Ian McKenzie, is like the lead artist in mm-hmm. the thing. Um, and then, uh, full disclosure, a good pal of mine, Anna Nelpentitis, who I tell many people I think is one of the smartest theatre makers in the country. Wow. I just think she's so incredible. Um, but she was, yeah, the creative producer and dramaturg on the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so the show itself, it's sort of like, as is sort of explained in the piece by Marcus himself, it's in some ways a sequel in some ways it's an adaptation in some ways it's a like a, 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 a like a like a real world staging and even that's the incorrect language of like a zoom performance that he did called the crying room oh okay oh um, okay yeah um so like it was a zoom show and now it's he it describes it i believe as like a, a like a, a, a theater show pretending to be a Zoom show, as um, opposed to what it had originally been, which was the opposite. Of was that. it was it a Zoom show during the the COVID crisis? Yes, oh. yes. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why you don't mention COVID? No. Oh right. Yeah. Sorry. Where's that goose? Um, oh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Missed it. <laughs> um. Yes. Um. But yeah. So we start walking into the substation. Um. And something catches our eye as tall Canadian and I are walking in because there's a dead body being buried underneath one of the walkways <laughs> what we see someone shoveling dirt around and then we notice that there's a corpse being covered poorly by mulch <laughs> 
Um, and then we lock eyes with one of the people doing the burying and we optimistically assume it's part of the performance and we keep walking because we have a show to get to. What? Yeah. What did, was it confirmed to me? We did not follow up. Oh. <laughs> it was certainly part of the show, James, but it's very a good civilian of you to be concerned. I don't know. You're walking through. I don't know. There could be a graveyard near there that you walk past. And I don't know. I don't know. Jack, uh-huh. Jack I just I just called you James. Yeah, you need to stop doing I that. I do that. We are different people. Uh, Remember the fight we had earlier? We yes. Are... <laughs> yes. We have different opinions. I think that people should be free to live their life. And you... Well, we just won't talk about it. You're nuts. Okay. <laughs> but yes. Then walked inside. Past the corpse. <laughs> yes. Ignored the corpse because we didn't want to be We're late. too busy. Uh, yeah. Went in and said, yeah, just waited for the show to begin. It was opening night. How exciting. Opening night. <laughs> good luck, good luck, good luck. <laughs> oh, you went with the reprise version? I went with the reprise. I did, I did, yeah. Oh, good. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, went in and then, yeah, we sort of get filed up the staircase after the show was like begun and we get welcomed in. And then, you know, have you been to, you've been to the substation? I've been past the substation. I've never oh, been in. Great. Well, upstairs, there's this beautiful like room for performing in. Mm, um, the last thing that I saw in there was aphids when they did that adaptation of My Fair Lady. Doesn't, if uh, aphids rings a bell, but yes, I don't remember that. Um, but yeah, it was called Class Act, and we talked about it. Oh sure, <laughs> Jake. My memory is that's why no, no, these tones are not judgmental ones. I'm just like maybe sweet listener. You perhaps. do know how you sound though. Oh yes. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, started going upstairs, but we weren't let yet into the big performance space upstairs. We were left kind of in this like <laughs> this foyery hallway thing. Theatrical limbo. Yes. <laughs> yes. They held out a big stick and they were like, under you go. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Theatrical limbo. And so then we, are, similarly to the corpse from earlier, we also see, we see Marcus Ian McKenzie kind of like writhing around in his undie pants and some torn clothing up a staircase. Almost kind of like a like a grungy take on that like girl from the ring. Yeah, that's fucking scary. Yeah. That's that's scary. So that's going on. There's this like again, it's opening night, everyone's a bit confused, but open because we're art people, so it's like ooh. And the energy of an opening night's always a bit buzzy. So we're left there to buzz for a bit, and then oh, from the mysterious buzz buzzy shadowiness of our uncertainty and hallway. Okay. All right. we, we then get Derek Dewan. Coming down the hallway at us, <laughs> um, blindfolded and dinging some little like ornamental bells. Ooh. I do not have the musical knowledge to be certain of what they were, but they were that thing where you get sort of like two little baby symbols spelt with a C. Think percussion. Yeah, no. And there. you have them dingle dangling off like a ribbon, uh-huh. and then you like lace that ribbon across the top of a finger or so, and when they clomp together, oh. they go. <laughs> like yeah, yeah like little like like, like crab claw things like like castanets but if they were made of metal and they were dingle danglying from your finger by a ribbon <laughs> no idea what you mean it also might not matter <laughs> <laughs> in fact I can almost say with certainty does it that happens for a bit and then eventually we're let inside to the bigger performance space with which I am slightly more familiar yep so we go inside um, and we see roped off seats that we are ignoring because they're roped off and then we go inside and there's a collection of laptops sitting around and we are spoken to by Marcus 
through these laptops that in it's zoom is open so we see ourselves on one screen it's us as the audience looking confusedly at these laptops mm. and then mark is talking to us on the other side of the zoom thing where the other person in a zoom conversation lives yeah right good you know? hope you've got a good internet connection yeah. for this show. <laughs> um conversation context all that sort of thing is sort of established via this conversation and then this is like the stunning moment of like which begins to become a pattern of like impressive technological work throughout the show is that we see so it's like what we're like feeling like is that Marcus is talking to us live via Zoom on these computers. And then we watch him from him saying that he is in this performance space somewhere and he's coming towards us, as we can see, via Zoom. Because you know how Zoom works? You can see that someone's moving. I'm familiar, we, we witness him via Zoom walking into the room that we are in. But then we see as he enters that we are not in the room when he enters it. Oh, mindfucker. <laughs> Such a mindfucker. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so... That was like a just a memorable kind of like startling little moment. I thought that was sweet, yeah, and it added cool. like an air of ghostliness to things. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna be very mindful of like the show is still running and it's in- impressive and strange. And I'm not gonna like I'm very mindfully not going to spoil things mm. um, in a particularly pointed way. I'd say. Um, except for that just one thing. Except for that. Well, this just that one thing, and it's the start. You know, the start <laughs> happens yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, no, so that happens. There's more talking via Zoom. We see more things. Vibe gets slightly more established. <laughs> Again, I'm being vague enough to keep things in the shadows. It's pretty fucking vague. Yeah. But something that is important to establish, as does sort of like tricklingly get expressed to us, is the idea that this show is about the death of his brother mm. and the grief surrounding that and his experience of that and him turning it into art. And some interesting questions get raised by him towards the end especially, but kind of throughout the question of the merit of and the ethics of mining that type of experience for art. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's some interesting topic. I agree with you. Yeah. Yes. So then the sheets get taken off these like fenced off seats and then we go sit in traverse to watch the rest of the show. He loves a bit of traverse. I love a lot of traverse. Mm. I think it's heaven and just to brush everybody up on what is magical about traverse is that you can watch a whole audience watch the same show you're watching but you get to see them watch it. Oh! That's your favourite way to have an audience. Oh my god. It's either that or directly behind you where you can't see them at all. Oh yes. Get out of my face or right into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Your traverse is fun. Traverse is magical. Mm. It can always add something. Not always a good thing, but it adds something. Yeah. You know? Um, God. Uh, yes. But that's that. And so then the show starts and then it's like Marcus talking to us. And there's like a long, long segment of like tightly written death focused kind of like I'm not going to say beat poetry because everyone knows that means that I'm kind of insulting something yes <laughs> um, but yeah I can never say beat poetry on this podcast again now sometimes things are beat poetry but if I say something's like beat poetry people just assume I'm actually saying it was just bad poetry yeah so don't say that <laughs> well, I'm trying to improve every day I can't say I'm succeeding at that mission yeah, you seem to be going the other direction <laughs> Um, but yeah, but this impressive, one of the things, and this is one of those compliments that always sounds like it's like, I don't know, avoiding insults by finding one nice thing to say. But truly one of the most impressive things about Marcus's very truly impressive performance capacity is his remarkable diction. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Really, really wonderful. Especially showcased in this fast paced barrage of like, yeah, deathy remarks that he was making. Like he was going around informing people of the way that they were going to die in this way that was really just like word bullets. It was... Jesus. It was impressive. And especially, I imagine that space is not the best acoustically. Um, <laughs> what would you imagine? Just because I imagine the gas works space... Uh, gas works. The, um... Substation space. Substation space is big and fa- factory-like. Because of all the sandwiches they're loudly making next door? Because it used to be a substation. <laughs> what? I'm sure. What do you think they make in a substation? 
nothing. It's a substation. Isn't that just where they have like a bunch of power? So it's like, I just assume. I just assume it's not great acoustically. Is it great acoustically? You can say yes or no, <laughs> and I will revise my thoughts with my updated information. Instead of insulting you, I'm going to use your mention of acoustics to segue into another topic worth discussing. <laughs> so. Th- <laughs> Throughout the show, and to also throughout this word bullet barrage of death talk. Yeah, like you just gave me. (laughs) You're a stupid moron, James. You're a stupid moron that doesn't know what a substation is, you stupid fuck. That's what you just did to me. That's what you just did to me. I would never ever do that. (laughs) You just said you should just kill yourself, you stupid piece of shit. That's what you just said to me. Just then, in that moment. I enjoyed that you said that there isn't anything at a substation, it's just where there's power. It's, <laughs> it's where they keep the, the batteries. The wizards. <laughs> <laughs> On the big hamster wheels, right? <laughs> oh, fuck. No, the substation's where they keep like the big power batteries, used to be like, right? Like the big coils of, of power. That sounds <laughs> substational. <laughs> you know what? I'm back in. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. Um, so, um, so we're sitting in Traverse on the right, what does, what does which that means mean? different things yeah, exactly. to each half of the audience. So if you're understanding what Traverse is. I'm assuming that means you've walked into the space and then immediately on the right, that's where you're sitting. Pick either end of the Traverse. Oh, no, you mean you're on the right of the seating bank. It's, you're sitting in traverse, there is of course, therefore, a catwalk between the two audience banks. Yes. Pick whichever one you want, and then imagine that on the right end, like the right hand end of that yes. catwalk, there is a drum ki- kit or set? Both. There's a drum kit. Let's say drum kit. Ooh. And there's a performer sitting at the drum kit named Maria Moles or mm-hmm. Moles. I don't know which one. It's or maybe Moles. neither. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but who's like underscoring Marcus's whole like death monologue thing that we're experiencing. Oh. Which is just. So like it's like just, the, just drums. It's well, it's that's the thing. It's like it's a drum kit set thing, but it's like the versatility that it was utilized with was like bonkers. Mm. And it, and part of what was even just like beautiful about it, even outside of the human experience of getting to hear word and percussion met like that, it was just like it's one of those like beautiful one of those flourishes that is just like so artful and kind of like stunning in like I guess. What feels maybe like the needlessness like of it in the mm. way of like it's just there to add this elevate theatrical beauty Gravitas. to this moment. You know, like you couldn't yeah. just left it bare bones words, but it's like some smart, interesting person <laughs> was like, What if we added some drums to this? God. And it was such like it was just like a really, really wonderful choice that they made. And I'd say like a high point of the 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 what was added by Maria's engagement with the work was <laughs> Numerous. I'm not going to list all of them because, again, if you see the show, you'll have your own experience of this. Um, but <laughs> it's like I've never seen someone take like a violin bow and run it down the side of a cymbal. Oh, I have. I love. I follow on Instagram this foley artist who makes sounds for uh, horror movies. Okay, and he loves a bow down the side of a cymbal or like along like the side of something that's not meant to have a bow. It is one of the most haunting mm. and bizarre noises, and that alone has summed up for me exactly what the soundscape of that show must have been like. And I am. I've got chills. Oh my god! Ah, are they multiplying? No, we are no, not singing not Greece. Greece. No, <laughs> Greece is already on in her majesty's. No. Go and support some good original art. <laughs> Fucking hell! Like, what are we doing? 
The Greece, Mamma Mia! Why? The Why more, are we doing this? The more we stage Greece on the main stage, the closer we come to Greece 2 making it onto the main stage. No! Yes! <laughs> I don't care, Jake! Stop doing Greece! Stop doing Mamma Mia! Stop it! <gasps> Mamma Mia is set in Greece. Oh my god! <laughs> It all goes back to the gods. Hey, <laughs> hey, You mean Taylor Swift? Oh my god. Hey. Hey. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Yes, no, but I, I bring wow. that all up not just to say how great that percussive like incorporation was, but because one of the standout moments for the piece for me was this like little moment <laughs> made by these artists. <laughs> um, of so the, the substation space that we are in where this traverse seating arrangement and play is taking place a feature of it is these very very high brick walls and in bad the, for acoustics those walls are I've heard that mm. <laughs> um, in these walls are these very tall just like beautiful like archy windows mm. like these t- like the sort of tall arched windows that like a Mr. Burns would look out of while hatching a plan yes you know yeah, yeah, yeah. that someone would like stare out of while like swirling wine and just like looking forward to seeing everything burn yes no you know? stars to fall yeah. snow st- yes no stars to fall absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. yes yeah there would be like set pieces in like Dr. Zhivago the musical oh. which we do not need restaged <laughs> but there are some good songs that, in it I love that that, I, that set idea that's a great set idea Stunning. And one of my favourite moments in the whole thing was this bow being rung down this symbol as someone took the big red curtain in front of one of these windows and shut it. Oh! Yeah, chills. Chills, oh, chills, chills. Right? This is a Jake Stewart show. In ways. It, yes. it just sounds right up your alley. Just like it was that. And I'm glad that felt like something to you. Oh, so, God, yeah. No, I get it. Mm. Um, was something but yeah so it's it's a lot of I just want to like quickly say the names of both uh, where are we Derek Dewan and Kieran Frame as two people that they were the production systems designer and technical consultant respectively mm. um, there was a lot of having to cleverly use well by choice <laughs> no one made them do this um, clever use of laptops throughout there was I think about like 14 laptops used throughout the performance oh my God. Um, with varying degrees of like engagement and like oh center stagedness it's, yeah, it's just occurring to me how much of a technical feat that is to yes. manage and oftentimes they were displaying totally different things or like Whoa. quite different things and there were even like these moments of like you were watching one screen within it and then that screen would shrink away and you'd then be seeing that screen in the context of a larger view that you were then taking in it was just yeah it was really clever impressive use of wow. of yeah of computers of in technology in a show that's absolutely yeah exciting <laughs> yeah was something um yeah i don't have the mind that can understand what was impressive about it because you're was, jake we know. because i'm me i'm not a computer guy you know <laughs> but i'm more of a i don't know a, an interpretive dancer <laughs> more than i am a computer I'm a guy. federal booby inspector so you know we're different people <laughs> i Computers. I'm more of a vegan. <laughs> I'm actually a scuba diver. So <laughs> unless it's about scuba, I don't care. Um, but there was throughout some some interesting stuff said about the grieving process. One that sort of like really rung, especially like resonant with me, which is maybe not how ringing works. <laughs> um, was the, the mention of the thought that I think is really known well by people who have grieved, who is unfortunately most of us, that thing of the intensity of grief at its height feels sometimes like your connectedness to the person. And then as that intensity fades, you fear that you are losing the person because that intense feeling of grief has gone. Yeah, wow. Oh, God. was a thing that was said. 
Um, but yeah, so that's, that's some establishy stuff. And then now to sort of like point at some other things and you can kind of imaginarily connect the dots. And if you get a chance to see this work, then you can do it for real. <laughs> uh, while you're you're really good at this. I've <laughs> only been doing this for like, you know, over a hundred episodes. And um, there was some stuff said, insinuated, explored in the idea of like the way that nowadays, um, just by virtue of where we're at, <laughs> yeah. um, that the way that terrible news can get to you can now travel via things like iMessage and clouds mm. and and that's the way that we are given things you can yeah you can I, I don't know and that was just something and the idea of like trying to like not necessarily trying to but just happening to piece together your knowledge of a person from the kind of like the things that they've left in the graveyard of their cyber existence oh god is yeah. just something um and uh, for some reason, literally in the last 24 hours, I've been kind of like inundated by, <laughs> and I don't mean to say this as if I'm the victim of it, um, uh, inundated by people who have experienced death or tragedy recently and the way that it came to them via the means of things like, of course, phone calls, but also just like by the media at large. Mm. You know, like a friend of mine recently learned of a tragic thing that happened to a friend of theirs first via like a news website that they were, it was TikTok. They learned of oh, something terrible God. happening to someone they knew from TikTok, and that was how the news fell into their lap. Oh my God! And to say, and I've had that, that. That's why I was confused because the the way that I found out about, about a terrible thing that happened to a friend of mine was just like a news website at the time was my homepage, and I just opened the internet browser one day, and then I saw her face, and it's like, why are you in the news? Oh, Jake. <laughs> yeah, and it's I don't know. That's just one of the things that this show made me think about. Yeah, and then. No, and another friend of mine recently, and I'm sure she's fine with me keeping this vague, but saying it, of the... Because it's almost like a... It's almost tropey, I suppose, in the way that people have even grieved in films. But the thing of calling a person's voicemail after they're deceased and just mm. just to hear their voice again. Oh, yeah. That type of thing. So it's... Uh, that that was... Those types of situations and those mm. types of grief experiences and the way they intersect. And how new they are. Yeah, was was a, was a feature certainly of of what this show was playing with. Mm. It was great to get to talk to talk Canadian man, not just because we experienced theatre very differently to each other, but also he's like I enjoy the way that he expresses his experience of works, and he adored this show so much. Mm. It was one of his favourite things that he's ever seen, um, and it was great because we seem to have had. And this isn't me saying opposite in the way of like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but the way of like, we seem to have come out of it having gone through totally different things and our frames of reference for everything was so different. Oh, wow. And it was, you know, which of course is a credit to everyone involved, to Marcus, to everybody, because, you know, it, it's got, it's full of so much specificity that allows room for such like a, like a wealth of potential opportunities for people to go through. And especially you're dealing with grief, you know, so we've all got such complicated, like deep, long relationships with that experience. Yeah. Um, on part of something that it very excitingly touched on, was the experience of going through grief at the same time as going through art. Oh, yeah. You know, which was, I don't know, which I just think is... Sounds like the correct combination for you. Yeah, that just really interests me. Mm. Um, was just something. And it, it explored in a really kind of like surprising theatrical way in this show. Um, but yeah, but, but yeah to, to cut to me and tall Canadian man talking in the foyer afterwards. And his experience of this show, he described it, was largely sensorial. Like he said that he came out of it feeling almost like the, 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 the series of like deathy bullet words at the start put him in this place of like high anxiety. And then throughout the show, he entered into this space of meditation. He said that he came out of it like invigorated and like re-energized by having gone through what felt like a, 
like a highly sensory meditative experience that was very bodily for him wow. and through even just like the experience of scent and the experience of just like sound and language and space like mm. he just it allowed him to feel almost like it was almost like a trance like almost drug induced experience for him oh my god yeah you're a tall Canadian man that's engaging with theater yeah 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 no mm. he engages he's an odd man um and <laughs> in, in, in a way that I'm very grateful to get to be next to and yeah, whereas me, <laughs> I think I came out of it um, feeling a, a lot of wonderful things. One of them was like I kept having this image of what felt like was happening, and I think it, to me at least it echoed nicely against the subject matter. Was this feeling of like there's this pie, and it felt like what we were doing was like the pie itself is kind of like made of the concept of grief, and what it felt like the show was doing was staying on the outer crust of the pie the entire time, and was treading across the entirety of that crust but was almost reluctant to get to where the meat was in this grief pie. And that's the image that came to me at some point through the center and then just continued to be reinforced. I, I just kept seeing this pie that we were walking around the outside of and never like diving into the center of. And somehow that echoed in a way that I found engaging and it's the thing, one of the things about the show that I've been reflecting upon most in terms of experiencing it as like as an intelligence as, and as an audience member of like to what extent does the internet and screens push us to the i don't know keep us at a distance from the things that it's enabling us to experience and somehow that interestingly having again in the last 24 hours <laughs> spoken to two different people who have experienced grief in some ways via those sorts of yeah. mechanisms interesting in the way of like part of what i spoke to about one of those two friends was the thing of like, you feel like you understand that grief exists and that loss exists and tragedy exists. And you're used to seeing them on the news, on TikTok, in newspapers. That's where that lives. Mm. And then when you see a grief to which you are attached and something devastating happening in one of these forums that directly affects you, somehow it then immediately kind of at the same time as feeling callous and far too frivolous also feels like it's... I don't know whether or not it feels no longer like your life or it's like your thing has now become everyone else's or that your thing has been diluted by the fact that it now exists in the same soup as everybody else's stories of grief. I don't know. Somehow that's where it lingered. And so something about the way that this show stayed on this pie crust. And I don't know if that's the right terminology for what pie is. <laughs> I just but, love that you've gone straight to pie. But you know that outer ring where it's like, you know in Snow White where the birds decorate the pie together and they use their little bird feet? Oh, the crimping. The crimping around the outside of the pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I felt like the, the play and Marcus Ian McKenzie were the birds around the outside of that pie and something about the way that it was handled through the lens of laptop screens and experiencing art that is kept at that distance because your mind is elsewhere, but you're being buffeted by Pavarotti. It's, I don't know, I don't know, somehow while being about something as deeply personal as losing a sibling, and I don't know, it somehow too felt like it was keeping to the edges of that experience and like staying firmly fixed upon the outside of the pool and not diving deeper in a way that somehow was very stimulating. Wow. I think, but maybe my brain's just broken, but that's... I don't know if that was... An, a, that was a lot of interesting things to say and for me to, for, to listen to. I'd, like, okay. It sounds like this show has stimulated a lot of thought in you about grief that I don't know if you were necessarily 
dwelling on otherwise earlier. Sure. Sure, yeah, it was certainly stimulating. Yeah, and surprising and strange. And there's like a bunch in it that I, yeah, again, don't want to bring up because it, if you get a chance to see it, I, yeah, I think the surprise of a lot of what this show offers um, is a thing that I wouldn't want to deprive you of. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that. Jesus, no wonder it's called The Crying Room. Why? Because of all the crying it would have induced. Oh, sure, sure. Um, and it's called The Crying Room. He brings out that, the, 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 I'm sure you're familiar, that crying rooms exist in places like churches and theatres and stuff where, like, if you're coughing a lot or, like, a baby is crying, mm. you can go to those rooms and it's soundproof so you can do it in there. Oh, I didn't know they existed. Yeah, well, I've I never heard of that. that. Well, I just know that because of, like, being brought up in a Catholic situation that the church that I was raised around had one. No comment. And I was in there all the time. No comment from because me about the soundproof I'm... room in the Catholic Church. No comment from me. Nothing to say? No. Uh-huh. I think it's already been said. Alrighties. Mm. Well, that's us done and dusted for today. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being here, sweet, sweet listener. Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I'm up to nothing this week. I'm seeing seeing some shows and I'm going to work. Those are the things that I'm doing. Do you, in turn, want to tell me some things that you'll be doing this week? Um, that, sure. No, working and so forth, getting my life in order. And yeah, um, yeah, no, you know, looking forward to the things on the horizon. Ugh. Oh, see? What a banal <laughs> thing to say. Um, as always, we may disagree with things that we've said on this podcast we are human beings and our opinions shift and change like the wind that's what makes theatre so engaging yes 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 <laughs> your windy opinions yeah yeah just because yeah. you and I had a fight before this <laughs> it was not it was not a fight tooth and nail it was the two of us having opinions and you getting mad and me laughing at how mad you were <laughs> yeah, you, this is what happens we have arguments not even arguments we have spirited debate and you always laugh that I get passionate or worked up no, I love the passion, but you get mad. And it's like, no, I don't know why you're mad. No. This, I can't no, force anything, I believe. I don't get angry. I get, I I get, get frustrated. <laughs> I get frustrated with your opinion sometimes. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Um, so, what else don't friends do, Jake? Yeah, the friends don't let friends become theatre critics. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, so avoid that if you can. Um, and, yeah, hopefully, yeah. Again, thank you for spending your time with us. It's very sweet and generous of you. And... Um, yeah, we'll be back here next time. Yeah, same time. Uh, if you're doing a show, let us know. We'd love to come along and see it. Yeah, yeah, and comedy festivals happening. So true. Um, yeah, it also applies to comedy festival shows. Um, yeah, please, we're going to be hitting it really hard. So yeah, if you're doing something especially kooky and weird, we want to see it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, stay warm. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Or cold if it's hot. 